Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Portsmouth Running Podcast. My name is Daniel Del Piccolo, and I'm here with my awesome and recovering co-host, Mr. David Hardy. How's it going? <laughs> not too bad, mate. Not too bad. But more, listen, more importantly, how the heck are you? Um, I'm okay now, mate. I'm okay now. Uh, I obviously ran the Thames Path 100 last weekend. Yes. Uh, so I uh, have been, spent the last week recovering from that, really um both both emotionally and physically uh, oh, such an interesting week after after running a race like that mate because you're you <laughs> you have so many ups and downs and mm. i guess it takes a long time for the body to recover after something like that i mean 100 miles is, is such a long way and 100 miles flat as yeah. well yeah oh god it just grinds you down you know i think i think people think that race is going to be a lot easier because it's flat mm. but it's just it, you don't get any natural kind of break in the kind of um yeah just just in that flatness it's just it really by the end of it was like praying for a hill <laughs> actually there was between Pangbourne and Goring and Streetly there's a little section of about two miles that's got a couple of hills in it and okay me and uh Dave and I at the other ginger Dave we were we were sort of um really really bloody happy about just seeing these couple of hills it was awesome Mm, I bet. God, crikey! It's just that, yeah, like you say, it just you think it's going to be easier because there's no hills. But I think, like we've we've said it before, haven't we? If you're on a on a course or a, or a race or even a training run that's got hills, the the ground is almost is almost your teacher because it's kind of showing you where you can walk, um, where yeah. you can maybe like relax a little bit more because you know obviously going up going up hills too strenuous to run um, on a on a long on a long run. But yeah, it, it kind of almost it's like having a coach there saying like right, it's time to walk now. Whereas on a flat, so you're kind of, you know, you've really got to be disciplined to to get into like a walk or run routine, or you, you like you say, you wear yourself down so easily. Yeah, I think the the hills are in charge, aren't they? And you know, unless you're at the front and you're able to run really mm. quick hills, I think that most people will probably sort of slow down, have a little bit of a walk going up the hills. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, listen, we've we've got a couple of things to to talk about today, including I, I want to find out a little bit more about your race and stuff. But we've got some some obviously some big news about the podcast, which I'm hoping the the listeners will uh, will stay tuned to our little intro we've got here because we'll mention it in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, some pretty exciting stuff coming up there. Uh, and also, Dave, just to mention on on you know going back into the the Thames Path stuff, uh, you had an absolutely fantastic result. Although you, I know you weren't fully happy with your with your race. Maybe yeah. you've had more time to reflect upon it now, but 17th place, I think that was that was in 1843. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic, bloody brilliant, mate. Really, hats off to you, mate. Well done. That's a really, really good, good result. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. Like reflecting on it now, I think there was a few things that I could that I could have done differently. Mm-hmm. Um. I in the early miles, like, because actually, what. I guess what's really important to say is that this was a completely different experience from a normal race. And um, there, because of the COVID situation, yep. there was no mass start. So there was we had a window of about two hours for us to start in. So between half seven and half nine with the faster people going off first and then a sort of staggered start after that, depending on whether you're going to do it in 20 hours or 28 hours. Um, and, and do you know what? You've got a you've got a praise centurion because absolutely everyone there knew what was doing everyone was completely clued up on how to keep people safe all of the aid stations had like a flow going through them so um you had like you would go in one way come out the other Mm -hmm. 
pack food, which uh, it was a little bit sad because of the amount of plastic that was used. But do you know yeah. what? The organisation, the professionalism of it was absolutely kind of like top class. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was really impressive. And do you know what? There's a lot of people take this COVID situation with different levels of seriousness and like with and have different levels of anxiety around it. And um, I'm pretty chilled out about it. But I know a lot of people are incredibly anxious about, you know, about the current situation that we're living in. Yeah. So for, for, the, for a company like that to just put on this like class, you know, really safe, appearing to be really, really safe, um, I think would really kind of reassure a lot of people that, you know, we can get back to doing this type of, type of thing in a safe way. That's so good. That's great that, to hear. Yeah, and I mean that was from the start to the finish. Um, you know, you've got you've got to praise them for that. So, but anyway, yeah, I I mean like I started close to sort of half seven because I was going for about a seventeen hour time. Okay. So between seventeen and eighteen, but just from the start, I couldn't keep my pace down. So I was going sort of seven forty five, eight fifteen kind of thing on and off that kind of that kind of pace. Okay. Uh, really, really good for about four hours or so. So uh, after that, obviously, what you know, we're going out a bit too quickly with that kind of distance. So we started to suffer a little bit, and then started to get a little bit sick, and then my oh, stomach. Yeah. But a few years ago, when I did the race, I had really, really bad stomach and had to jump in the bushes every five minutes. Okay. Learned a valuable lesson to never run a 100 mile without some emodium on me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so rather than suffering for another you know 10 hours with a bad stomach I could just pop some emodium and that was that you know like problem solved mm -hmm. um, did it do you think do you think the the issues you had were due to you going out too quickly on the race or do you think there was it was just a just a bad day uh well it's not uncommon for it to happen to me I don't think um and yeah, probably maybe going a little bit too fast, probably eating a bit too much and not drinking enough. It was quite a warm day as well. So oh, I'm not surprised and I wasn't particularly phased by it. OK. So, uh, you know, just like ha have a little bit of a sick and then crack on with it, really. I love Dave, I love the way you can do that, mate. You, this is why I always say you, you've got that kind of X factor when it comes to these races, because, uh, you know, whereas someone like me or, or myself, I'll sit and, and cry for a bit or, or get, you know, get really down about it and, and worry too much and maybe yeah. spend too much time thinking about it. You just kind of like turn your head, throw up and carry on, which sounds lovely, doesn't it? I mean, we're, we're probably putting people off running these events here. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a miserable bugger while I'm doing it. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. How did the pacing? How did the pacing go with Dave? You mentioned yeah, that, that a while thing. ago. I mean, like, yeah, he he got he took me from Henley to Wallingford, and he was brilliant, really good at kind of like keeping me going. But I think that, um, yeah, I was probably a bit too grumpy for him. He uh, made a massive mistake of singing Coldplay at me, which is just like, Ooh. <laughs> oh, like yeah. Me. Um, so yeah, no, Dave was really good, and then we swapped at Wallingford, which was about 22 miles to go and then my mate Stuart ran the last bit of it in with me so you know I kept kept a pretty good pace after halfways but I did slow down I think I did eight eight hours 25 ish for the first half maybe okay and 10 hours 10 10 hours ish for, for the second so I okay. didn't that well but you know like I think 
1843 is a pretty good time, so I'm quite happy with that. So. It's cracking, dude. It's absolutely cracking. I mean, it's 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 such a good time, but it also then, you know, whenever a race like that finishes, I, you know, you then look at the other times around you, and there was a there was an amazing run by by, by the winner who finished in, in just over 14 hours, which wow. really kind of like puts into perspective yeah. just how incredible um, a lot of the front runners are, uh, just in a yeah. different league. Amazing. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, and then right. you look at and then you look at the world record holder who's doing who's doing them in kind of like eleven to twelve hours, and it's it's just insane. Yeah, I mean, like I'm spent by the end of it, so I, you know, just by going at the speed that I go at, <laughs> God knows what they must feel like doing that that kind of pace. They, you know, they they've got some strength and conditioning that's absolutely beyond anything that I'll be able to kind of kind of get to, but you know. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Listen, also a shout out because um, I know your coach uh, Michelle Maxwell uh, came in came in really well as well. She was second lady in 1846, and I think she was running so close behind you. She finished three. Now, where did you guys start in relation to each other? Because she finished three minutes behind you. Was that actually in physical terms at the end as well? Yeah, yeah, I think that we were pretty close to starting together. Okay. Because we were at the start line together, but um, I think I went off slightly soon, well, slightly earlier than her. But yeah, I mean, it was it was really good fun actually because we were just leapfrogging each other for the whole um, for the whole second half of it. And she's great, you know. She's 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 got a lot of strength and she's pretty quick. Um, but then just about like when just before we got to Lower Radley, which is the last aid station, she had to okay. jump the bush. So <laughs> Stuart and I were like, right, let's make sure that she doesn't pass us. <laughs> but a bit of competitive uh, competitiveness between coach and uh, coach and student <laughs> yeah. but, you know, it's always a I, I often wonder why, why I do like 100 milers and people do them because they hurt so much but I think mm-hmm. that you know it's always a you always get reminded like just how difficult they are and I was always told that there was there's never there's no such thing as an easy 100 no there really isn't it they hurt and they take a while um and and it just makes them worth doing i think even though at the time it might suck there's there's a sense of kind of achievement at the end of them that, that yeah is, no absolutely i completely not, agree it's yeah it's just one of those things you know you it's a, it's a big task but at the end there's a big reward uh and nothing beats that feeling of of exhausting yourself like that and then actually reaching the end point and just being able to sit down and and kind of reflect upon it all and it's it's a it's a slow burn in terms of yeah what it gives you at the end for sure it's um it's a massive achievement there's there's something about taking yourself to that edge isn't there that that is really kind of like rewarding and because that you do spend there's a lot of it where um you haven't yet got the hope that you're going to finish yet and i find Mm. that the the long races that i've done that you know that there's always always that element of something can go really really wrong and you won't finish yeah absolutely listen there were some other good results as well um local to the area there was uh, ian russell who was um one of the runners who joined yourself uh jason and i around the isle of wight along with dan williams um, and was kindly our, our tour guide of the island and he yep. he smashed out a uh, 100 mile pb coming in I think uh, just a few minutes behind you in 24th in 1929. So actually, yeah, an hour, an hour almost an hour behind you. Mm. Um, and there was also a very impressive uh, run by a local runner, Anthony Rose. Um, did you did, did you know of Anthony Rose? Yeah, it's, I've I've met him a fair few times because he's he often volunteers, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Anthony Rose was so he was running 
Um, I think he's, I'm not sure if he started the charity. I need to have a chat with him or, or whether he was running for a charity called, called Puck Parkinson's because he's actually um, a Parkinson sufferer himself. And uh, to, uh, you know, to, yeah. to smash out the 100 miler like that um, in, in yeah. I think he did about 20, 25 and a half ish hours, maybe just under that. Um, yeah. It was incredible. So, yeah, really good run from him as well. And it was a very shame, a bit of a shame to see uh, Phil Hoy. I think he, I think Phil crashed out a little bit early in the race. Yeah, Reading, I think, wasn't it? But, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did you get to speak to him at all? I haven't spoken to him yet. No, but um, he was he was going really, really well up until then, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the local Portsmouth runners, um, Paul Spooner, was uh, was volunteering at the aid station. And I think he's actually run. He ran the Centurion race yesterday um, and did oh. really well. But yeah. Oh, cool. Good show. Yeah. Good show from uh, good show from everyone around around Portsmouth, which is fantastic. Always to see. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, listen, well done. I hope the recovery goes well. And uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, training continues on for the for the next big challenge ahead. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say, but you you did a marathon a few weeks back, didn't you? I did. Yes, I did. Uh, I was going to mention that on I think on the, the previous show. So um, I'm not sure what I what I, I've forgotten what I mentioned about it. But yeah, I went across to Dorset for a holiday and managed to get a get a place into the USA Marathon or the OSA Marathon, mm. which is run by Badger Trail Events, uh, a company what, out there. Where does that name come from? Because it's an odd one, isn't it? It is actually. I, I looked. I looked it up because um, I was curious about it, and because I'd seen uh, this kind of beast-looking face kind of plastered around some of the some of the signs and stuff. And apparently, I think it's a, like a mythical creature of some kind, or a or a beast, or something to do with that area. So. Um, I think that's the Ossa. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I can't I can't say too much more than that really on it. But the I mean the run itself was was brilliant. It was there was a lot of climbing in it, um, okay. but like lots of varied trails. So you know everything from grass to to mud to uh, to to like nice compact stony pathways and stuff. And mm. yeah, it was good. I was uh, and you know obviously just um, kind of got running and uh, was I think running maybe in the first 15 to 20 runners and got chatting with uh, another guy ben who i who i met during the race yeah uh, was also wearing a pair of hocker cliftons uh, which was you know you know me dave that would that, that would get me chatting any day <laughs> and uh, yeah so we so we chatted for ages and then suddenly ended up talking too much um and went off course by about <laughs> a mile and a half right nice one well did you have to pay for those bonus miles at the end no we didn't we got them for free which is great yeah, <laughs> yeah the only cost was uh was the sore muscles afterwards i think and uh, yeah hanging our heads in shame but um what made it confusing was that we had gone we'd not only gone off course but we had rejoined the course a bit of the course that we'd been on earlier so we were suddenly running we were suddenly overtaking people thinking this is a bit strange like those those runners we just overtook are going 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 really really slowly and then we overtook some more people some more people and then we suddenly realized we were at the i think we were at the 10k point in the race but we had already done 14 or 15 miles right <laughs> so we had we had to almost kind of stop and and you know your brain's not really working at, at its best capacity at that point so we had to kind of think what to do we were just not sure really so we yeah. We headed back, um, went back along the incorrect bit that we that we went, and then we eventually saw yeah. three large signs that we missed, which was just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and Friends. managed to get back onto the course. Yeah, but we did an extra, I think it was an extra mile, mile, mile to mile and a half. Yeah, which was, well, which was nice. My friend has got a, came up with a uh, name for that when you're running and you don't, you can't really, um, you haven't really got any intelligence left. Go for it. What is it? Uh, run stupid syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> RSS. <laughs> I think that is an actual real thing, dude, because yeah, yeah your, your mind just doesn't even cope. Even for even 14 yeah. miles into a race, you're not, you're just not thinking right, really. I think you're just in a, in the zone. You know, I think I think I've done a race and someone's asked me um, what my name is and whether I have sugar in my tea. And both of those things took me about five minutes to answer. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. It's so true, though. But yeah, it, ha- it happens really easily. But, you know, I, I, what I what I felt most bad about was that I, I kind of felt responsible talking to to Ben, uh, the, my, my, my new running friend that I've made. Yeah. Uh, and because it was his first marathon. Uh, and you know, unfortunately, he he finished doing a, a 27 to 28 mile run. So uh, <laughs> he had a bit of a bit of a bad spell in the second half. But it was good that we ran together, and I think I kind of helped yeah. drag yeah. him through to the end, which was nice. So yeah, it was good. And friendship and a story to tell. Yeah, go. good, good. That was all good. But listen, very oh, quickly. Before, yeah, go go on. I was saying, it sounds like a good day out. That. Yeah, no, it was definitely. And then uh, the other thing that happened on the day was my. Uh, family were on holiday as well and my in-laws came over to see me in the pouring rain because we had we almost had kind of that weather that we had on the Isle of Wight the day on that day all through the race which made it interesting but uh, yeah they came to see me in the rain and missed me by two minutes so they ended up staying standing just watching these runners come through and I'd I'd already passed so that was a shame but oh well never mind Um, that was good it was a good day now listen um very quickly uh kind of races aside I mentioned earlier that we're going to be changing the format of the show slightly now uh we've spoken about it a little bit dave and run some ideas past each other but what i wanted to do was was keep the show very much what it is and that is uh, an interview with um, a local runner telling their stories and sharing their experiences running uh, so we're going to keep it very very much uh, that the heart of it but what we're going to do is we're going to shrink the interview down a little bit and make it a little bit more condensed perhaps maybe into into 15 minutes to 20 minutes max uh, and then we're going to do make make the show a little bit more interactive. So, um, you know, we always think that we've got a lot to say about running and, and other people have a lot to say r- about running. So we're going to hopefully engage with uh, some local businesses, um, some some local running groups uh, and just maybe get a little bit more kind of like a, of an interactive show going. So perhaps maybe include some some shorter segments uh, speaking with other people who are involved in in various uh, bits of running whether it's actually running themselves or maybe some clothing brands or some food brands and yeah just just really mix it up and and we're going to experiment with it for a while i guess and, and just see how it goes yeah your thoughts it sounds good well it's, it sounds like this is the start of your empire dan is well this, is this where uh, thoughts of running podcast takes over the world correct like pinky <laughs> like pinky and brain have you ever seen the cartoon yeah. pinky and brain <laughs> What we're going to do, Dave, is we're going to try and take over the world. <laughs> no, that's my bad, my bad impersonation. But yeah, hopefully it, it'll it'll make the show uh, a, a little bit more interesting. Um, obviously, it it always is interviewing my guests, and uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. we're just gonna we're just gonna have an experiment with it, and I think it's healthy as well to kind of mix things up a bit and and maybe change the format uh, around a bit and just just have a play, and um, hopefully right. it works. You can say that it's healthy, but you might get loads of like uh, really angry emails from people that are really anxious about change. So. 
<laughs> that, that, is, that is true as well and, and I'll, I'll brace myself and maybe just send them on to you to reply to <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah. Listen, that actually leads nicely into into this week's guest uh because um this week i want to speak to harry morgan who is uh the creator and host of the jog on podcast right um have you ever listened to jog on itself or, or heard of it i think i've heard of it yeah yeah, he's um. So Harry, when I met Harry, which was probably about a year and a half ago, I was preparing for the CCC and the Grand Union race, and yeah, he invited me onto his show to kind of have a chat about long distance running. Uh, so I was a guest on his show um, back in uh, yeah back at the beginning of last year, and yeah, just a, a lovely chap. Took me for a run around Southampton, and yeah, now the tables have turned and managed to speak to him and find yeah. out all about his all about his running and how he got started and. Mm. Uh, a lot about his father's running and and the shows themselves so we got to speak a little bit about podcasting and and kind of like how how the experience has been for him so yeah it was a, it was a really really good chat so it's like podcast wars was it it does it was kind of like yeah when podcasts collide yeah yeah but anyway dave listen thanks so much man for, for joining me this week and uh, we're going to go into the uh, interview now and i wish you all the best for your recovery and look forward to hooking up for a run soon yeah cheers done Take, take it easy dude all the best harry welcome to the portsmouth running podcast uh as i always start with i very much appreciate you taking the time to come on and join the podcast and i know it's been a while since we last spoke in fact i think the last time we spoke in any full length i was a guest on your show so this is a complete spin around and you're on the chair so harry morgan welcome to the show Thank you very much, Daniel. Um, it's quite weird to have flipped it and be in the opposite chair, if you like. It's a strange feeling. And I, I feel like usually I have notes in front of me and things like that for a guest. So I've got information about them. But for this one, I didn't really have anything. I can't sort of, you know, it's, it should be in my head. So I shouldn't be able to write notes about myself down. So <laughs> it's a, it is a little odd. It's like I'm sort of not quite as in control as I was. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got all the notes on you this time. So uh yeah, I guess yeah. you've got you've got the spotlight on you now. So I, I hope you enjoy the experience and just just have fun with it, man. I'm yeah, really yeah. looking forward to finding out about all your running. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate being invited on. It's uh, it's quite cool. Mm. And actually, I think we were recently in touch as well a few weeks ago, or maybe even about a month ago, because one of your guests, John Green, mm. ran 100 miles of the South Downs way over four days. Yeah, that was mad. Yeah, he. He just um, popped up out of, out of nowhere. Weirdly, I met him in a specialist running shop on the clothing floor and got talking to him. He was browsing uh, rucksacks at the time. And okay. it turned out from this conversation that he was doing this 100 mile run in a few uh, couple of weeks or something. And he was talking about um, sort of getting a bit of promotion for it. And I just happened to mention, I said, well, I, I, I host a running podcast and you could possibly come on and uh, maybe have a chat with me that might give it a, a bit of oomph uh, to get some donations in or something he said oh that'd be fantastic so he dropped me an email and um yeah we we set it up and and had a chat and it was it just went excellent his story was amazing he was running mm. um for a family member who uh, was going through uh, some health difficulties with cancer and this is why he was doing it to raise uh, funds for the guy to go over and get some special treatment in a foreign country and it was just this incredible story and then that went even further than the podcast and turned into me actually joining him for one of the legs i know that he spoke to you as well about possibly uh joining yeah. as a um did you ever get to meet him and run with him in the end do you know i i didn't and it was it was purely work-based i just couldn't uh, find a decent time to go up and, and join him but i was following uh, him and tracking him on Strava mm. um, and it was yeah it was a real shame I, I I kind of I guess I gave him some advice on on the route and and, and spoke to him a few times 
uh, over social media. But yeah, unfortunately, I didn't I didn't get out to join him. So it was a real shame. But I know you did. And yeah, it looked like you had a, you had a good time up there. It was great. Yeah. So he'd uh, run quite a few miles before I met him. And then I joined him for something like another eight or nine, which is absolutely nothing compared to the 100 he was doing over the four mm. days. Um, and he, he looked in pretty good nick when I saw him. He was doing all right. I think where it started to tell was when he was running uphill, his quads were starting to seize up a bit. And I think okay. that's where it was starting to. So I joined him on, I've got to remember this all correctly now, it was only a few weeks ago, but I'm pretty sure I joined him on his second day and he had two more to go. Um, so he was, you know, I saw him pretty fresh and then I was sort of checked in with him at the end of the third and then the final day um and yeah he got through the whole thing he did say his his quads played up on him quite a bit but amazing and then from that i, I filmed a bit so i was able to do a bit of video for the youtube channel that i do as well um oh, so great. All, all, just from one conversation on the clothing floor of a running store all of a sudden all this stuff came and uh yeah an amazing experience it was it was fun it was it was good i really enjoyed it Mm. It's, I tell you what, it's a fine example of, of what I always call the spice of life. These these kind of moments that just explode out of nowhere and turn mm. into something like that, an experience like that. I mean, it's just it's just amazing. I love it. And I think as you get a bit older as well, you realise that times. I mean, this is getting a bit heavy already, but yeah. time, times ever getting slightly shorter every every year that passes. It's my birthday in just a couple of weeks' time, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it always as, as I find as I'm the birthday's approaching, it makes me think a little bit more about: Am I doing the right thing? What am I going to do next? How am I going to make yeah. the most of this before ex- entering the next decade, etc.? Um, and I think so. Moments like that where. He sort of said, well, I mean, I'm looking for people to to join me back when you're in your, a teenager or even sort of very early 20s. You might be a little more hesitant to jump on moments like that. But I think now I'm already entering a, a stage uh, still youthful while I am to just say yes to things. So that I was just like, I'll do it with you. I, I mean, I've only just met you, but I'll do it with you kind of thing. And uh, and let yeah, let's have a sit down and have a chat. And you find very quickly that the moment you say yes, you almost never regret it. And these mm. amazing opportunities uh, show up. And yeah, it, it was nice. It was great to support him. Fantastic. That's re- that's really great that you did. And yeah, I'm, I'm just really pleased that that kind of meet happened like that. It's just, yeah, mm. lo- one of those lovely coincidences uh, in life, which is fantastic. But um, listen, I've, I've got to admit, uh, Harry, this this has been like a real nerve wrecker for me because you're obviously a very <laughs> experienced podcaster yourself um, and you've got your own running show called Jog On. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we go into it and kind of speak all about the jog on, but uh, I wanted to ask how how the show's been going since lockdown. Have you um, any any effects on the on the recordings you've done or the the, the frequency that you've been uh, dishing shows out? That's a great question. Um, I would say not really. Like you know, download figures have stayed pretty similar, um, mm-hmm. possibly even down a little bit from what they usually would be. It's funny because I actually had quite a few people say to me um, when lockdown started, they said, oh, this is amazing. Jogon's going to get downloaded so many times because yep. everyone's going to be sat at home with no- nothing to do. But unfortunately, it just didn't quite work like that. And I was dubious um, of that yeah. theory anyway, because a lot of people just from little bits of you'll know this when you do a podcast, it's weird because you see it being downloaded, you know, a reasonable amount of times or whatever but you very rarely hear back they're usually passive listeners you don't hear back like where they're listening where it was etc um i've got a little bit of stuff that can show me in what country they were listening etc on on some of my stats but other than that not not a huge amount um so whenever i do hear something back quite often it's things like they were in the car on the way to work or they listen on on their particular run and you do seem find that you often fit into a routine somewhere um 
And because those routines were completely corrupted by the strange situation we're in at the moment, I found that actually that tended to knock a lot of people's lives out of kilter. And as a result, perhaps their usual listening patterns. So generally, no, it, it didn't have that effect that my perhaps my optimistic mother thought that all of a sudden I was going to get 500,000 downloads out of nowhere because <laughs> we'd all ground to a halt. So generally, no. And in terms of actual producing content, um, it just forced me to really, you know, make sure I was doing the phone call stuff like the video call, for example, that we're doing right now doing it over skype um things like that are incredible tools and all of a sudden it, you can reach someone quite far you know if there's a guy in edinburgh who's just run a marathon you or i can chat to him within moments with mm. the beauty of technology now and i think that's a huge advantage so trying to take uh, grasp that a little more and there was a stage when i sort of was you know a bit too purist and was like i only want to talk to people face to face so they've got a proper mic friend in front of them and all this and very yep. quickly you realize it's not about that it's about who the person is in the conversation itself not necessarily just because you want that little extra bit of quality and be able to stare them in the eyes which you know you and i were able to do and that and that mm. does create a beautiful episode but you can do so much now over the computer so yeah, yeah. It's really easy. And, uh, I, you know, I myself met with my first, uh, I think it was my first 13, 14, 15 guests face to face. Mm. Um, and it was a little bit dubious about doing it um, over Skype, but it's actually it works really well. The technology's kind of come on leaps and bounds over the years. Uh, it's it's safe. It's easy. It kind of, you know, you've got your own backup in the cloud, which is great. Um, and just what you touched on earlier as well, talking about routines and stuff, I think you hit the nail on the head because I myself as a, as a podcast listener have got tons of them backed up now because i was listening on my commute into work every yeah. day so yeah so there you go so truth truth in that for sure yeah no absolutely so listen harry how's your running been so on onto the running subject how has it been over over lockdown how's um motivation how's racing yeah, so I was um, fortunate enough to be in a bubble with one or two other people who run. So I think that helped a bit. Um, generally, yeah, pretty positive. It's weird. It seems to me like people kind of went one way, one way or the other. So say you take yeah. your average, uh, let's say there's a guy called Joe and he's out running three times a week. Lockdown happens. If you put Joe in parallel universes, one Joe all of a sudden just starts eating jam sandwiches and biscuits and just sits on the sofa and the running goes out the window. Like I think we just discussed <laughs> the routine goes and then the other Joe in the other universe seems to have just taken off. And other people I knew who almost ran themselves to injury because they were just going out running every day because they had the time to do it. And they thought, well, I might as well run again. So it, it seems to have gone either way. I tended to be a little bit more on the side of I probably ran even more during lockdown. Not a crazy amount. I didn't push it yep. too hard. Um, but lots of getting out and also uh, less constraint on time. So I was quite happy to all of a sudden where I would usually just do a Sunday long run, all of a sudden a Wednesday long run and a Tuesday long run was happening. And just just really low intensity, low heart rate kind of stuff. Yeah, um, that that was kind of it for me. What about you? Did you run a lot over lockdown? I did, actually. I think I was I was probably the third universe, Joe, if I can just pop a third universe in there. Where I, oh, wow. I was the Joe that did more running and more eating. So okay. I, I was kind of floating in between or maybe floating in between the two universes but yeah doing yeah. definitely doing a bit of both <laughs> absolutely it is hard i mean i think diet suffered for, for a lot of people a lot of people fall into that camp of the eating thing because if you're around the house more the fridge is right there cupboards mm -hmm. are right there um you're not quite as distracted and i think naturally our brain does send us signals that you should probably get some calories now and that happens more and more often and you're not I think so. out at work and busy with other things so yeah yeah i think I my my weakness over over lockdown has probably been going more towards the sugary snacks so yep. unfortunately uh, that's a, a habit i've got to get out of but yeah no it's it, generally the running was good i did a few kind of, of my own challenges my own lockdown challenges had a had a nasty accident falling down the stairs during lockdown which was which took me oh, really? a few weeks 
yeah, I, I took a tumble down the stairs, really injured my lower back, which is still problematic, but um, I'm, I'm actually back running. Uh, and yeah, other than that, it's been, um, yeah, it's been pretty good. How did you fall down the stairs? Just what, just a general slip or you were carrying something? Well, it was running related because I, I was on my way to an early run on the South Downs Way uh, with my co-host Dave Harvey and his girlfriend Heather. Yeah. And yeah, just walking down quietly, holding everything in my hands. So no hands to grab onto the banister rail with. Uh, my foot slipped from beneath me and just crashed down on my lower lower back. Fortunately, not my spine. It was to the side. But wow. yeah, I, I um, it was it was it was very, very bad at the time. And I thought that I was going to be out for longer than I was. But again, it's just another another interesting story to tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. But you've kind of made a pretty much a full recovery now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it took um, I think there was a there was a period of about two weeks where I probably shouldn't have run. But I forced myself out the door and could only get 20 meters down the road. Uh, and then the next day I did another 20 meters down the road and, you know, obviously grum- grumbled my way back to the front door. Then I did 50 meters. Then I did 100. And I literally just went out like that, just kind of sweating the pain out. And then eventually I was able to go around the block, do a 5K. And then, yeah, just over about, over about two weeks, I managed to get back to 10K. Just built it back up. Wow. Yeah. So I'm I'm not one that kind of I don't like to sit around and I probably do. I don't know if you're the same, but yeah, pro- like injuries, I tend to. Uh, my my diagnosis for them is is just give them more running and they'll eventually go. But which is probably a terrible terrible thing to do. But <laughs> it's 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 my method. It's it's served me well over the years. I think. <laughs> yep, there are many different different methods work for different people. Yeah. Um, yeah. One method that doesn't work is falling down the stairs. Don't do that again. That's absolutely not. No, I'm going to be very careful. I, I kind of almost walk down crab like sideways now. So just to be very very careful because it was. Yeah, I'd be paranoid. Yeah, I'd be <laughs> I'd be tiptoeing down those now. But yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, it's a warning to all the listeners out there. If you're walking down the stairs, be careful because apparently it's one of the uh, one of the top places to be injured in the ha- in the house, which you can imagine because the staircases yeah, yeah. are quite small in the UK. But anyway, enough of the enough of the stairs. And um, I'm listen. I'm glad the running's been going well during lockdown because, like you say, a lot of people have been uh, non-motivated by the lack of races. But that's good to hear that your training's going well. And yeah, I'm just keen to kind of now, I guess, dig into to a little bit of the start. So if you don't mind, um, just a very, very quick introduction, like before we, we go into the start of your running. Yeah. Um, but you very much grew up with, uh, and this is going to kind of summarize what, what you're going to go into. Um, you grew up with running in a family, um, and I guess your your love for running started early on. Uh, you've competed across country and track and, and various races, and you've captained the University of Portsmouth Athletics, which is fantastic. Uh, you've you've run numerous different races, which I couldn't find most of, but I'm sure you're going to tell them about us later. Uh, you've also done multi-day ultra um, over 100 miles, which is fantastic. Um, but on top of that, and, and I think very much like in a complementary way to the running, you've got a running podcast, as I mentioned earlier, called Jog On. Uh, you've been involved in radio. Um, you've now got a YouTube channel going. So wowzers, I, I'm not too sure where to start, but I guess at the beginning would be um, where did all the running start? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, do you know, I was speaking to my parents the other day and I was asking if I ever ran in the 90s. So I was, I was born in 91 um, okay. and obviously coming into 2000, being only nine years old, uh, not many nine-year-olds have entered a race. And it turns out that there was one one time there was some sort of festival type thing, family fun day, and there was a fun run that day. Um, mm-hmm. So we kind of, tra- I, we think it's probably about 97, 98. I'm still yet to narrow that down. Somewhere in a photo album, it should tell me uh, because okay. there's a picture taken, but that was my fir- first ever race. Um, but uh, going back even earlier than that, my dad um, was really into three big things. Um, and that was bird watching, fun, uh, okay. cricket, and then running. Those, those were the main three. And I think that there was always perhaps a desire in him that his son would take up one of the three, um, 
which I did. I mean, bird watching, I could tell you quite a lot about birds because of just not even that being that interested, but just being taken on holidays where we went to bird hides and stuff to uh, look look through binoculars um but never really took it up and then cricket i played for about six years and i sort of became uh just slightly above atrocious with a bat um, but never took to cricket but for some reason just always had a very strong passion for running um never showed much promise as a kid uh but for whatever reason stuck with it and just got great enjoyment from running and okay. held out long enough to see myself become moderate to okay at, <laughs> at that discipline. Um, so what? Uh, very early on, I think the idea of races and sort of men and that smell of deep heat was normalized <laughs> for me as a child because I was pushed around in a in a pram and taken to races because my dad would race a lot with the clubs he was running for. He was part of multiple clubs. Um, Great Western Runners in Bristol uh, was one of his main clubs who you can always recognize from a sort of pale blue vest and then a sort of darker V on the chest. And that's etched into my memory, this vest. Um, but I think just being there and watching my uh, with being there with my mum and then my baby sister, if she was even alive by that point, um, mm-hmm. just cheering him round and seeing flashes of him running past. Um, I think as a kid, you just accept that as the, the the norm. So whilst I'm quite a big believer in biology and things happening through nature, if if you want an argument for nurture, perhaps yeah, that some of that that running scene was normalised within me quite early on. So perhaps that's a reason why I sort of took to it. That that just you've described that so well. Um, yeah, it's 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 amazing, especially the. The smell of the sweat and the deep heat and stuff, I guess. There are things that, that, yeah, yeah. Things like that really take you back. Um, You can, you can take the lid off some deep heat and and, and smell it. And, you know, everyone gets different images, but my mental image goes straight back to races. And and then myself being a teenager, being in, I remember being in club, crowded clubhouses for club runs because big city runs are amazing, but it's sometimes it's those weird, quirky sort of late night evening runs where there's a couple of marshals and you're just running down the side of a road with a couple of traffic cones Mm -hmm. and there's no, there's no crowd. No one's there. It's just people who just race for the love of racing and, and, and you sort of I remember I once won uh, four cans of lager for my age group and I was too young to even get it. So they had to present it to my dad. Um, just little memories like that, you know, are, are very strong, I think. And, and they can be set off by things like like smells. Yeah. So were those four, four cans of lager for a, for a kiddies race? Or were you, was, race, were you was, racing adults? <laughs> it was just so unpoliced. It was one of those races where the guy yeah. was like, oh, no, you can have lager as well. And he just kind of gave my dad them. And yeah, it was sort brilliant. of a laugh from from that. Um yeah so uh, it's it's That's fantastic did you ever join been... your did you ever join your father on on, on runs as a, as a kid did you ever go out kind of training with him uh you know and evenings at home and, and stuff mm, yeah i did i think you have a natural aspiration to do perhaps what your father does maybe there's a sort of a, a son father instinct there and so seeing him leave and put his shoes on i mean i don't remember it but i'm sure at some point i would have requested that I join him my earliest memories of going running with him are sort of once we'd moved uh sort of I grew up up north and then we moved to the Cotswolds in 2000 lovely. and uh being in the in the Cotswolds is a, a lovely area very mm-hmm. hilly in many many parts so um my sort of naturally grew up running up hills and I think that probably helped a little bit to form a little bit of a foundation um anyway for some basic fitness but yeah I remember I remember doing runs with him but then quite quickly him explaining to me sort of efforts and things like that so i remember that there being a 2.1 mile loop and it was nothing crazy he'd make me do it twice i met make me as though he cracked the whip but um i, rem- I remember vividly doing that and parking up the car getting out and sort of stretching in the side of the car like he did um and you know you almost look like you're giving it a pu- i remember once a lorry did actually pull up and so do you need a push do you need some help because they thought we were generally trying to push the car but we were just stretching yeah. against it um, <laughs> so yeah so i joined him and i think that you just you naturally 
aspire to sort of do something and I wasn't big on cricket I wasn't big on bird watching but for whatever reason running I just fell in love with um mm. yeah it was it was it's it's weird thinking back now I don't think about it that much but yeah that's kind of where it all began yeah a lot, a lot of people say that kind of going through their their running story on on podcasts is that it's the first time they've kind of really thought about things in detail and maybe mm. like taking their minds back to that time so yeah it's interesting you say that but listen you you actually interviewed your your father and his and steve morgan is your dad's name obviously on i think it was episode 11 of of your jog on podcast which is which is worth a listen um Hmm. and i've got to add that i think in that interview there was something that you spoke about with your dad that like really struck a chord with me um and i've kind of got my own strong feelings about that and that's kind of like the the thoughts around racing pressures and the pressure of actually entering a race and stuff. Mm. And I found, I guess, maybe similar to yourself that I, I love the running so much. I, I don't really think about races. I take the training more seriously and the racing is more of like a, a little bit of a training run or just a, just a bit of fun. Uh, do you remember speaking about that, that topic with your, with your, with your dad at all? I think he was saying just, you know, enjoy your running. And I think you were saying that you prefer the training and lead up to a race rather than the race itself because it is really really pressurizing mm, i do yeah um do you know what it's it's a weird one it's not because i definitely wouldn't throw myself into the camp of because th- there are so there's a big camp of runners out there who are very much just all about training and they're really not bothered by races and i don't mm-hmm. think I, that it's not I'm, I'm not bothered by racing i absolutely love racing and i'm um, yeah. very proud of personal bests and those moments are incredible um i think it's because i know what it's like to really push yourself and really i mean let's let's be honest about it hurt yourself to get those those faster times um and it's such an unpleasant experience during as amazing as it feels afterwards and for me it takes days to recover from something like that um that i tend not to race that often and i tend to find i think probably what i was talking about to him about there was probably just that when i'm i think one of the things i've struggled with a little bit is when i'm very clearly not in pb shape which i mm-hmm. guess theoretically is most of my life because there's only these moments where i've been at that that in that peak form for me um the races become i don't know i don't it's, it's hard to explain I, I i struggle to sort of race knowing that i'm nowhere going to be nowhere near the personal best today and that's something i think i've started to improve on a bit um okay. but for for a long time you know you go through that period where you're just on an upward slant and and every time you race you knock a few seconds off because naturally you're just getting fitter and as you're racing more and more and and things are on the up but um you won't keep going up forever at some point you have to either um have a a run where it's about the same or it's a little bit worse and you have to be completely okay with that and i think that's something i um was not too familiar with was kind of racing and just forgetting about the time probably taking the race maybe the time a little too seriously perhaps yeah yeah okay no, it's it's very interesting yeah I, f- I feel the same way i mean i again similar to you i i love racing and i think you described it really well there you you know you hurt yourself during during a lot of those efforts but for me i i tend to kind of lose that that competitive edge these days i just i i'm not there to kind of you know do as maybe as well as i maybe under the covers believe i can i just want to try and enjoy the race as much as i can and and if mm. something comes of it then then it's a bonus but yeah certainly I, I wouldn't do without my races for sure and like you very very proud of of the moments where where like you say those few moments where you do really really well um, but listen you're, you're back to your dad you're, so your dad steve's had some incredible times logged for his um for his various distances and i'm, I'm going to go through some of them now simply because i remember when i first met you you said that one of your goals and aims was to i guess n- not in a very competitive way but just in a 
in a legacy way or, or some 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 description that I can't I can't kind of word right now to try mm. and hit some of those targets and try and see if you can get close or or even better some of those times which I'm sure your your dad fully supports but your dad for 10k has run a 3503 uh, your yeah. 10k is 3749 so uh close do you think do you think you can do it based on I mean, I'll try and give you the very short answer. I think when you surround yourself with people who really dedicate themselves to running and you see how they train and you realize that you've got 3749 through perhaps 60% of what they're doing, that if I were to jack uh, it up from a 60% uh, training effort, if you like, up mm-hmm. to a sort of a, an 85 or even a 90%, um, I think it's incredible what people are capable of uh, when they really do train and focus and nail down good training. So I I believe it's possible, but I know what I'd have to go through and how much I'd have to dedicate to do it. Okay. Okay. So listen, so that's 10K. 10 miles, 104 for you, which is an incredibly speedy time. Your dad's 10 mile time is 57.38, which is, it's really, that's really rapid. So that's kind of well under the hour mark. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. That's going to be if you go for that one, that's going to be a tough one. But I know that you kind of said you were kind of edging more towards you could probably break the marathon time for your dad. And I, and I don't have your dad's marathon time listed here. Can you that's remind cool. me what it is? I, I can tell you. So so his his half marathon, just uh, still tracking on the web, his half marathon is 115, which is probably arguably hit one of his strongest uh, performances. Yes. 115 for a half is, is is moving very, very well. That's that's very high level club running uh, in my opinion depends who you surround yourself with there are other people who you know yep. scoff at 110 because they just have uh they, they've they've met the, the the greatest if you like um yep. the best of the best um but you know compared to most mere mortals 115 is is very rapid his his marathon is a, is an interesting story um i'll just okay. go into very quickly yeah, he never sure. i th- i think he he would own up to himself and pro- probably does on one of the episodes i've done with him um that he never fulfilled his potential at the marathon he had uh, i had a guest on recently on on an episode of jog on actually um it's coming out quite soon uh, sorry random plug and cool. he talked about at the time he said you know every elite runner in their life or any, any runner probably gets maybe three or four perfect marathons after lots of marathon racing the marathon becomes kind of like playing with fire so much can happen so much can go wrong you can do the most perfect training the most perfect build up fuel yourself fantastically and something can happen mile 21 and things can just switch off and you never quite know when that's going to happen but you do your best to prepare for that and yep. i think for him he just never had that perfect marathon it never came together he he would say himself he was probably capable of about 245 marathon um his his best ever was officially 252 though bearing in mind he again would sort of deny this he's very strong that it has to be 252 because that was the official time um but i like to also add that on his watch that day he did get 250 because there weren't chip timing so you know it takes two minutes for him to even get over the line at that point um so really you know him crashing out i think he sort of died in the last three four miles his last three four miles was you know almost walking pace he completely crashed off having been on time for something in the 240 to 245 range um my personal belief is i think he probably could have gone sub 240 if he'd really um had the right coaching and training from from a kid um but you know things were a bit different back then i think they sort of had a cup of soup at night and then go to bed and they'd wake up in the morning and never stretch or do all uh, these other things so it was a different mentality back then but um so marathon uh if i'm cannot be accused of being a little bit criminal in my approach because arguably he sort of never quite got it right i feel like that's the one that's got the most potential that i could get it um i, I feel like i could go for that but uh, you know, again it's going to take 
months and months mm. and months of dedication, time, hard work to prepare for this. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's the the lay of the land with him. He, he's just a bit too good. And I do sometimes question it, but I, I would love to take down one of his personal bests um, and hopefully he'll support me in that. Mm, absolutely. Well, it's, it's been lovely chatting about chatting about that and kind of just it's it's lovely to hear that you drew so much inspiration and I guess good memories from the running when you were a child. So, I mean, it's given you uh, all these cool stories and experiences now in your own life. So it's fantastic that it kind of carries on and your dad must be proud as well. I hope so. <laughs> I'm sure he is. So listen, uh, so obviously running was a big part of your childhood. Um, did you do any running at school? So the school yeah. side of things, there must have been a competitive running team or a cross country team or something like that at the school. Yeah, so it goes back um, reasonably early. Year five of primary school, I joined the primary school cross country team. So I had two years at primary school. Um, and this is once we sort of moved to the Cotswolds uh, and I was at this primary school. And I remember in year four, we had to stand up in assembly if we wanted to join for that season or whatever it was in uh, of, of the cross country primary school and I didn't I remember some kids standing up. I mean, what a weird way you know if you're if you're a shy kid to make you stand up in assembly for they could do a head count of who was in the cross country team so I sort of backed away from that <laughs> because I was, I was super I was year four of primary school and I remember that but then year five I stood up and I joined I decided I remember my parents saying no you should join so next year year five I joined the primary school cross country team and I remember doing laps of the field and running around sometimes the headmaster he was called Mr. Williams would come with us and and it was, was you know probably a half decent runner at the time he seemed like amazing because he was an adult so he could you know trump us all um yeah. but i remember the the racing other primary schools that's the, probably the most vivid thing is going to down to what ended up being my secondary school and the huge playing field they had there and especially when you're a kid it seems like this mammoth area um and it was this large large playing field and we do basically a lap of the field was was the primary school cross-country races and there would be okay. something like seven or eight local primary schools um and there was something about it i just got a huge kick as a kid a huge adrenaline rush from doing it That's amazing. and, it, and yep. it's cr it's crazy because i never placed that highly i still remember my best ever placing this is how much it's much etched into my memory 32nd was the best i ever placed now this is out of 100 kids and you might say okay top third that's good but you know to have 31 primary school kids beating you i i, I did not show promise um and that was just few pure effort you know probably 50 of those kids were you know on their game boy or crying or something so you know the competition was not there but so i had no there was nothing about it that made me uh, show some kind of strong promise or athleticism there. But for whatever reason, I kept going back and I just enjoyed it. And I, I think I liked seeing my parents cheering me. There was something quite strong about that. There's a picture of my dad holding my arms or slightly across my chest. He's kind of half hugging me. Um, it's somewhere in a family photo album. I'm in my primary blue. It was called... Um, and I have my sort of blue vest on with a number and you can tell I've been crying and I was crying because it hurt so much so I clearly pushed myself as a kid as well yeah, um, yeah. but yeah just just things like that and I think they really do stay with you memories like that so that was my kind of primary school experience and then moved on and took it from to secondary school okay brilliant obviously wow so um, your memories of that of running are all positive even though the placings weren't high you obviously clearly had a love for it and and obviously mm. you've got that strong family bond with the running so I think it's just a kind of a almost like a, a the perfect recipe for um yeah, for a, for a nice future in, in the sport. So that's all that's all good. But listen, in 2011, you uh, now this is where the Portsmouth kind of link comes into play. So you I guess you joined the University of Portsmouth um, in 2011 and then signed up for the athletics club there. 
Absolutely. I remember the day very vividly. I was in, there was a long, long tent with all the Portsmouth uh, societies for the university. And there was everything you could have the Mandarin Society and the Rock Society and the Surfing Society. And I remember going into that tent thinking that I was going to do two, potentially a third one, but I knew that would probably be taken on a bit much. And I knew that one was absolutely going to be the athletic club um, because there was no sort of cross country or running specific. It was athletics. But oh, OK. Yep. Anyone that knows athletic clubs, athletics clubs, you know, 80% of that is made up from runners of all sorts of distances. And then you might get one guy that throws javelin, for example. Um, and I've I just wondered that, actually. I've always wondered mm. about the, you know, when you speak of an athletics club, there's clearly other sports involved. But it, I tend to always think about running. So I guess the the split is very much focused and centered on, on the running. Very much so. And okay. then you get your sprinters, your middle distance, and then you've got your long distance runners. Um, and then, as I say, sometimes, I mean, I remember just after I left, you still go back sometimes and visit. There was a girl who just started doing high jump. Um, we had one guy uh, who was called, I don't want to get his name wrong. He was called Jordan. I remember his first name was Jordan. Anyway, he was a very talented triple jumper, which was strange because he was a really short guy. And all the triple jumpers tend to be quite sort of lithe and athletic and quite tall. But he's just fantastic triple jumper. So he used to go and do triple jump um, for us at competitions. So we'd always cheer cheer him on. And those were nice moments. But the, the rest of us really, one guy I remember throwing a shot put a couple of times because he was pretty strong. Mm-hmm. But really, it was it was mainly made up of, of runners. But I marched right up to this guy called Daniel Green, who was the captain of the Athletics Club at the time. And I yeah. just, I remember he, everyone's trying to get you to join their society you having clipboards thrust all over the place and i said to him you don't need to convince me i'm joining the athletic club and that was you know literally day one of freshers university i just knew that's what I, what i wanted to be a part of um and that, I, he must have been thinking are you serious are you, are you sure we, we haven't had to convince you at all it's just yeah exactly he's like, who's this weirdo um <laughs> But no, and, and then from that moment, I have three years of absolutely wonderful memories, some of which I'll, I'll never forget with this team that was athletics that you became so close to. Um, there's such a such a bonding experience as well. You know, I got to know the people in my house quite well, not got to know people in my course very well, but there was nothing quite like the relationships that you developed in the athletics club at university. If you, if I always say every once in a while, I come across someone who's about to start university and my biggest recommendation is always to join a society because the, okay. the, the friendships you make there are just unbelievable. It's, um yeah. A different experience uh, that's brilliant and and being being a different experience how much did it differ from the running that you had done at school or or that you had seen from a from a club point of view how how different is it in the fact that you've or you're obviously there to focus on on the education side of things how did it all fit in with that and fit in with your your kind of weekly schedule it fitted in pretty well um so i studied drama and performance at university the whole plan had been to go to, to acting school but i decided i really wanted the university experience first so i went and, and did that and universities are weird like you know a lot of courses you, you only have a few lectures a week so you really have quite a malleable framework with which to 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 work with um and a big part of that was being able to fit athletics around it. And often the, the track sessions were evening. Um, there was a big social side as well. So it was really, you got out of it what you put in. And, you know, there was, it was weird because you had Tuesday track and we had Thursday track, but Wednesday was the big social night. So Thursday track was the weirdest thing because you know, <laughs> the guys were turning up and training hard, but half of them would either be hungover or like oh. still a bit sleepy because they didn't get much sleep from the, from the night out. And then they had a lecture the next morning. So, um, yeah, university is a weird life. You sort of just rattle through it. And it's kind of like a strange roller coaster. 
um, yeah. if you if you choose to get on board. You know, some people uh, don't and, and have a very mild university experience, but I think you've got to make the most of it. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it was it was good. It was a good it was a good balance. Um, I felt like I got good training out of it, and you always have that competitive edge. You know, there's someone in when there's a, a I think at the time the athletics club was about 65 members strong. So there's going to okay. be someone there that's pretty close to you. So you're you're always in competition with someone just to see you know who can pip each other at that um, that training session, etc. So no, I, it was it was an amazing experience. That's good. Is there a whole kind of circuit with the universities whereby you're competing against other universities or do does the University Athletics Club send runners to various races? Are there some that are picked? How does how does that all work? Yeah, interesting question. I mean, multiple different facets and different ways that that can happen. Um, a big one was called varsity. I think that's quite a uh, universal term when there's a competition between two universities. Um, okay. For us as Portsmouth, it was the University of Southampton. And so, um, which kind of became mildly ironic because then I ended up moving to Southampton for a while and, and trained at that exact track where I went to compete in varsity. So I always felt like I was behind enemy lines when I was in Southampton. It was it was a, quite a surreal experience. Um, but yeah, varsity. And there was also Southampton Solent, which is another university there. So it was kind of like a bit of a trifecta competing. Um, but the big one was between Southampton and Portsmouth. So yeah, we'd compete against them once a year and you scored points based. I don't know how they worked out the point system. It was mad. Mm -hmm. um but that was the big one and then there was just the university uh championships and i remember going to i I, i'm probably gonna get this place wrong i feel like it was maybe sheffield or leeds i can't remember um but going and competing there and running the i ran an 800 meters for the university and i've also been in and competed at 5k and then competed at cross country which was some of the best memories because we we did a a cross country trip to edinburgh and we took a minibus from portsmouth to edinburgh and back oh wow an absurd drive where with only one guy insured on the minibus why that happened i don't know um <laughs> and yeah and just sort of piled into this minibus drove up there took on an insane uh cross-country course did okay but nothing special because the level there is is very very high um yeah. you go on a night out you sort of get a few hours sleep and then you're driving back again and um yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it works. It's a whole a whole different region. It kind of depends on your university as well. And, okay. you know, some universities pride themselves on being very, very strong with their runners. Loughborough is a, is a fantastic example. Brunel is another uh, university that has a, a steeped in history of their running and, and thus attract, I don't know whether it's through scholarships or how it works, um, but, you know, attract a very high caliber of runner. Sebastian Coe himself coming from Loughborough, for example. Um, you know, so, so, so it kind of depends on, who's there the history there's lots of uh, interesting parts yeah. to the whole machine it's actually funny you should say that love loughborough has come up before on i can't remember who it was i interviewed um somebody who went to loughborough university and just said that the the competitiveness there was just incredible like they yeah. had no chance of coming anywhere near the top but yeah i mean they enjoyed it because there was always somebody to chase but yeah they, they did say that there were some extremely talented runners there Mm, absolutely there's always someone there to sort of put you in your place just when you start your ego just starts to inflate ever so slightly like if you train with the right people you will be shut down very quickly it's a it's a humbling experience sometimes to run with people because Mm. um yeah there there are some people out there who they just they just fly yep initial initial elliot kipchoge and you can walk around going (laughs) probably probably top of the top of the chain at the moment or or somebody like jim walmsley then uh, (laughs) probably all right Yeah, but no, listen, obviously the love for the running kind of shone through at university and you were obviously enjoying it so much and you, you got super involved there because you eventually ended up um, captaining the team. 
was, was that for a whole year or, or just for a short while? Yeah, I should caveat that one because it sounds very impressive. So what happened was I was going for the captaincy in my third year. I knew it was kind of building to it. There was kind of uh, there was rustlings of conversation in second <laughs> year that maybe I should go for it. And it's all, you know, you go up and you give your your talk and um, why you should be in a quick presentation. It was ridiculous. We okay. got like three minutes to present, which is not much time. Um and then last minute, I don't recall exactly how it happened. My memory's a little vague on it, but they just split the captaincy out of nowhere into sprints captain and then like a cross country captain, which didn't really cover distance per se. Maybe cross country was meant to be distance as well. So I ended up in a weird position where I sort of went for sprints captain, even though, yes, originally my background was 400, 800 meters, mm-hmm. um, which, yes, 800 meters is kind of the beginning of middle distance, but arguably pretty much is still a sprint. Um so I sort of ended up becoming sprints captain and there was like a cross country captain. So it, it got into this very strange position where or they last minute changed. I don't I don't think it was the best decision in the world. Um, somehow I still got sprints captain, even though no one knew I was a sprinter, just because I think I did quite a detailed presentation on why I should be a captain. Um, and then it was the sort of that captaincy and that role was sort of shared out and you just kind of ended up in a bit of a leadership role. But um, it was it was really, really uh an amazing experience and and beautiful to kind of cap it off with um having a a slight position of authority to kind of uh bring in the new people and and help people with their own training and things like that um Mm. and i remember the president was a guy called martin shelley one of the most amazing individuals i've ever met and he his life surrounded i will never whenever i think of anything um in life if you ever want to dedicate yourself to something i always think of this guy martin shelley and portsmouth university athletic clubs for the period of somewhere from 2010 to about 2014 um okay. this this guy lived and breathed the club and he was you know he was the kind of guy that would skip lectures just to work on the details of how we were going to get the team to a race i mean this guy was just in love with it to the point where i mean i, I haven't spoken to him in a long time but you know you'd almost fall off the bandwagon off something like that because he was so involved and there was that was such his life um yeah. but yes yeah, so the president he he was an incredible president um and that, that other guy i mentioned uh dan green he was a phenomenal 400 meter runner combined with a fantastic personality who could just speak to a group of people and they would just listen um he was an incredible captain as well so i was um walking in the the footsteps of giants really that's amazing but you know there'll be there'll be people who will remember you as captain coming into the university who will probably have similar things to say you hope yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah you, you hope so you hope so you never know do you you never know but now that, that's really good and I, and I like the fact that you say you know with those positions the the main thing you got out of it is being able to help people with their running and just be able to kind of give something back to the community because there are so many people out there you know who want to get into the sport but then also people out there who like you say dedicate their whole their entire lives to it and they're just so dedicated to it that you know you just you're kind of in awe of of where they find the time and the the, the energy and effort to do it absolutely yeah there are some motivated people out there mm, no for sure for sure so somewhere and and i always try and draw a timeline here on the show but somewhere between university and maybe a year or or maybe even at the same time as you left university or perhaps maybe even a little bit of overlap as well uh the first podcast came to be um yeah tell us a little bit about how that 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 came out was it anything to do with university itself had you had the idea beforehand or or how, how did it all how was it born so if you remember when I was in that tent in first year and I march up to Dan Green and I say, yes, I'm going to be a part of your yeah. athletics club. Now, I, I never had said what the, the second society was I joined. And so I, I carry on wandering around quite happy that I was now a part of the uh, athletic society. and looking forward to my first Wednesday night beach run as it was going to be that day. And there was a man on a stage um, with a microphone called Ollie Ng who was doing announcements. 
And he was uh, part of the radio society at the time. And I remember looking up and they had this, I don't know how on earth they got this, but they had a full lorry with half the side off. And he was just there on a microphone just being like, guys, welcome. You know, he had a fantastic radio voice. I ended up doing a few shows with him on, weirdly enough, on the, the Portsmouth local radio station, which is terrible because the name completely escapes me for the moment. And as soon as someone says it, I would know immediately, um, which I went on. So there's like a sort of a community station in Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Express FM in Portsmouth, I think? I think it's that Express rings a bell. FM. That rings a yeah. bell. Yeah. So I ended up skip forward a couple of years i got the opportunity to then co-host a show with him on express fm for a little while uh, which was which was phenomenal and weird how things come from come full circle anyway i'm looking up at this guy on a lorry and thought that's fantastic now bearing in mind this isn't completely alien to me because i was uh going in to do drama so you know the idea of presenting and standing on stage and blah 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 uh, okay. was Goes certainly hand not hand. Yep. well it's not an alien concept yep. but that really set the wheels in motion for the idea that perhaps instead of chasing acting which is always what i've been about um that maybe you can get a bit of a buzz off actually just being yourself (laughs) and not having to develop a character for three months and then just perform for three nights of ecstasy and instead get a mild (laughs) buzz out of being on a microphone and and hosting and presenting so that kind of sowed the seed and and i ended up joining um the radio society uh and and started a show um and i i had a a stage name at the time i called myself horatio it was a a bit of a weird period but i just kind of ran with it um and then i came across a guy called dom so we did this uh, show on portsmouth university radio so it's called um portsmouth radio was portsmouth university radio experience so it's called pure fm that's the acronym um so i did a show there i remember i was in the slot just before something called tea time with emma which was this other student uh called emma huskins who just basically sat and drank a cup of tea and chatted about her day worst mm-hmm. show in the world but you know <laughs> that's that's the kind of environment you're in and i think really that acted as a sort of a boxing ring if you like to try and hone some sort of skills to become vaguely listenable on a microphone um i remember the first song i ever played for example was a song by mumford and sons and um i think it was little lion man which uh swears about part way through and they somehow on the system because it's university radio and clearly it was completely uncensored and unpoliced like those races i talked to you about um yeah you essentially had some songs that they just hadn't done the radio edit on so there was still swearing so the first song i ever played had swearing in and i panicked and had to switch it off and apologize and i was pretty flustered really um okay. by, by the whole thing but what it, for whatever reason stuck with it and just developed this radio show and then i'm you know it's weird because i'm doing the course on the side and i'm doing the the, the acting so i have this weird dichotomy as i'm going through the three years of thinking well I'm, I'm here learning scripts and studying plays and doing all this but at the same time i'm i'm popping up every week on this radio show and getting to take a couple of calls from listeners and play some music and tell a story. And do you know what? This is way less effort, almost in a lazy way. And I'm getting almost as much buzz from it. So that was kind of the the disparity. I've forgotten even what your question was now. I've gone completely off topic, but um, that that's kind of how that, that, that developed. And and I started in the radio. Okay. So, so then, so then I guess, so you develop skills and yeah, I kind of get what you're talking about there where the acting is, is you know you're having to develop to develop the character and and learn lines uh yeah. almost um uh what's what's the word not naturally unnaturally um whatever uh and yeah doing the radio is just like you say you're just being yourself you're just talking and and having a good time and interviewing somebody or chatting about a certain topic so i can kind of see how that's how that's like you say a little bit less effort and, and just more natural mm. uh but how did it lead to you wanting to start a podcast about running and and how did that come about? Yeah, so it, it's it's so basically I, I left uh, university and I'd done 
um, the Radio Society for a few years and, and obviously left the Athletics Club and, and everything. And I also joined the Television Society for a little while. So I ended up presenting on camera as well. And I, and I left with this slightly confused experience of this is strange because it was the first time in my life I'd ever questioned about potentially there being something other than me acting like that was just it from um age four when i was taking scene jack and the beanstalk i think it was the bristol hippodrome uh by my own mum and apparently it's the first time i shut up and just sat down and watched something uh right through yeah. to that that moment uh, sort of halfway through university i just kind of had this a bit of an epiphany really that perhaps there was it didn't have to be acting but it could be something along that line in the form of, of presentation and just sort of being myself and not having to be you know john the binman from down the road who gets three lines on act four or whatever um okay. and so really what happened then was i got in contact that guy i mentioned ollie ying he had a contact at an actual radio station so not a university radio it's like an actual proper commercial radio station mm -hmm. and so i joined the events team um i started doing um event work for this this radio station in southampton um which was they they owned, they owned a number of um radio stations at the time it was called jack fm which was also I quite remember big jack crystal. FM. Yep. yeah so they're there. Um, weirdly enough, if you're able to see my microphone muff right now, um, it's actually a Jack FM microphone muff. I still have from from the offices Brilliant. Um, and I just have it sort of as a bit of a, a an ornate feature, if you like, and a, a memorabilia. Memento. Yeah, exactly. Just a memento. And it kind of yeah. reminds me where I originally came from. Um, and so I kind of just fell into the world of radio and I moved to Southampton on the basis that I had essentially a zero hour contract just doing bits of radio work. So I picked up some bar work and basically just supported myself trying to work my way up in radio. Um, and fast forward probably a couple of years, um, I got a phone call one day from um, quite a significant radio presenter by the name of Bam Bam, who I'm still in contact with this, to this day. And um, we still catch up and, and still work on projects together, working on a couple of things right now, actually, regarding podcasts. And I've, he, heard, um, I've, heard, I've heard Bam Bam before because I've heard Bam Bam on the radio amazing when Definitely. was was that was that in london at the time or was that on on sam fm or jack fm it's probably sam fm or jack fm that i've heard bam bam yep yeah 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 they, i remember, I, remember I just remember the words <laughs> it used to go bam 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 and there would be some crazy clip well yep. basically th there was a there was a him and there was a couple of co-hosts and one of the co-hosts dropped out weirdly enough to do a podcast his podcast was on uh share share prices i mean can okay. you think of a podcast on anything more dull but i guess i was, just, I was just about to say really hmm. yeah <laughs> how crazy is that but like full time that he could actually pull out and, and i remember that was a big light switch as well my god this guy's actually leaving a very well-established medium as it is now we can go on to that but uh, arguably uh st slowly dying medium now that is radio and my hmm. god he's doing he's going full time with a podcast someone's going to pay him a salary to do a pot so anyway so he yeah. that was amazing anyway bam bam who'd met me a couple of times in a corridor thought that maybe i could possibly speak on the microphone he'd see me hoovering a hall or you know waving a flag at an event um yeah. just trying to make my way up and i just got given this this fantastic once in a lifetime opportunity to join the breakfast show i mean the way it works in radio is usually they'd start you off on an evening show you might then get a lunchtime bit you might do a couple of voiceover gigs i did get to do a couple of voiceovers um but I just sort of was thrown straight in the deep end as a producer of a breakfast show on what was then called Sam FM. It changed its name for long, complicated reasons. Um, and I was found myself in front of Bam Bam, who had wealth, a wealth of experience, years and years behind the microphone. And I'm there with, you know, a couple of years doing radio and uh, and sort of a, an acting degree and, and trying to make find my way. And I ended up doing it for over a year and it was brilliant and it was incredible. Um but Bam himself and then a couple of people, just the whisperings of podcasts were starting to, to come into, um, into the air around me, really. And I really looked more into it. 
And I think one of the, the myths is you can listen to someone on radio. You know, the grass is always greener. You listen to someone on the radio right now. If you turn the radio on, you think, my God, they've got the best job in the world. But I bet you, you know, behind that, there's probably a producer who just told them off playing the wrong song. They probably wish that this button that isn't working did work. They have to get up way earlier. There's always oh, yeah. negatives. And, and with the radio show, it was brilliant. But of course, there were going to be downsides. Like we didn't have that much control. And I think the beautiful thing about podcasts, as you're probably finding doing doing this podcast, is that you, you have control. You can do what you want you know there's no one telling you right in five minutes you've got to play rihanna and then in six minutes you've got to take that phone call and blah blah blah. yeah and we actually had quite a lot of freedom on this show but you know after that show i would have gone to maybe heart capital it would have been something like that would have been the next step and you know yep. they're, they're given like six minutes to talk every hour and just say hi shelly just called in she's just had a cup of soup what do you think a cup of soup let me know after this song <laughs> rihanna and then put the fader yeah up that's true <laughs> i could imagine it's very structured yep it's not really you. You're just a voice, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. so that crept in. Now, you'll probably be very aware of Couch to 5K, which was that uh, a, a big app. I think the NHS um, yes. did a version, and it was a, apparently it was originally started in the 90s. I only just found out, which is crazy. Wow. Okay. But, the, oh, but wow, that's yeah. where the, the concept was born by. I think it was some guy that came up with it. I forget his name. But anyway, so I was quite intrigued by that. And that seemed to be catching on. It's, and it's just getting bigger and bigger, Couch to 5K. So I thought I would do my own version of that. So that was the real beginnings to answer your question of the podcast was to do my own version of, of uh, Couch to 5K, which I'd called slob to running snob, kind of based off the fact that my voice is naturally a bit posh, um, because after I was dragged away from the north, you know, growing up in the Cotswolds, you sort of you either go farmer or you get a posh accent. Um, <laughs> And and so this is how the, the, the you know, my accent turned out, if you can call I it I think you've got a lovely accent, Harry. <laughs> oh, thanks. It's a bit Queen's English, but I have met people posher and I can promise you that it, that is posh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I started Slob to Running Snob. The idea being it would sort of t- originally it was going to be like a 10 part episodic series where it takes you from um, being a slob through to being a running snob where you can almost talk about your own marathon experiences. That that was the kind of concept. Um, and he did all right. You know, it, there were the. The image for it was me with a pipe in my mouth and holding a pair of trainers. You know, there was there was a strong idea and aesthetic behind it. And I went to I used to go in and I used to record bits at the radio station um, and then another community radio station where I was doing a show as well. Um, mm-hmm. So the sound quality was great from the start because I got That's access good. to a studio. Um, and, and you know, like anything, you procrastinate, things happen. Um, people appear, people disappear. And I just kind of, you know, it fell by the wayside. And before long, it had been five months. And, oh, yeah, I remember I was doing that slob to running snob thing. And then I think I don't know what it was, but just I remember just having a bit of a wake up call. Like, come on, you had something good there going, Harry. And yes, you're working your way up in radio. But it was when I hit the breakfast show, I thought, no, this is when I really need to start doing something on the side. Because when you do a breakfast show, you finish at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's amazing. So you have the rest of the day free. And yes, half the time you are going back to sleep. Because I was going to say, you're, you're probably knackered from waking up early. You woke up at half four, five o'clock to do a show. Yeah. It was insane. I was a zombie for a year, basically. Yeah. Um, so I really started to develop the idea. And that pl- combined with, um, so not, not many people know this, I barely ever talk about it, but I actually then started doing a different podcast um, that's called the Brain Training Podcast. You can still find it on Apple iTunes. Um, it's the most downloaded po- podcast I've ever been on. It was it was doing crazy numbers, you know, a few thousand downloads every day, this thing. Wow. Did. 
Um, okay. Eventually, it hit 500,000 downloads, which is nuts to think about it. And I was just the voice of that, basically saying, um, uh, add four plus seven or whatever the, the brain arithmetic game was. <laughs> really? And, that sounds so interesting. I'm going to have to go and search for this. Yeah, just brain training podcast. Now, the last episode was something like October 2017. Nothing else has happened with it. Um, it'd be great to start it up again, because I think if we would kept pushing it, we probably could have got it to a level where, you know, 10,000 US downloads, potentially there's, there's monetization there, things mm. like that. Um, but it, it was a good, it was a strong concept and it, we were in people's routine and it was daily and it was only a few minutes for each episode. So it was systematic and we had a system of doing it. So anyway, so knowing, seeing the numbers that it was very exciting and I just thought, no, I've got to do it now. But slob to running snob seemed like it had a bit of a ceiling, like what happens once you become a running snob? You know, it had a ceiling to it. I just felt like there was there was more I could do. And I felt like bringing running with presenting together would happen in the form of a, a finally fully fledged podcast. And I was sat in a Debenhams cafe one day with a guy from one of the radio stations. And we were sort of brainstorming ideas and, and going back and forth. And I remember we were coming up with episode ideas for Slob to Running Snob. And I, I fortunately, it was me. Otherwise, I would happily credit him. But it was actually me over this cup of coffee that said, well, jog on is quite a, a good term. You know, people used to say that, didn't they? Well, jog on, mate. Like, that was just a sort of a, an expression. And that kind of has that that running air to it. Um, and then we sort of stared at the piece of paper. I just scribbled it down. And I said, you know what? That's that's really good. And then we sort of said, well, I could we could just call the podcast that, you know, the reason I was talking to him is because he, he had a, um, a bit of a sort of podcast hosting platform at the time that he was trying to build. And I was one of the featured podcasts on it. Um, mm -hmm. you know, this thing was getting a very small amount of traffic, but, um, but yeah. And then, so on that day in 2015, I don't remember the month, um, the term jog on was born and that was it really. It was, then it was just building ideas from there. Um, I'll, I'll cut it short, but basically released it, published it, went big. Um, it sort of didn't quite hit right. I didn't release it on quite the right platform, tailed off. Christmas happened, ate too much turkey, didn't record for ages, and then didn't renew my subscription with this hosting platform. And it got pulled down off iTunes and blah, blah, blah. And it stopped. So that was 2017. So it's gone. July 2018, I re-upload, uh, sort of reinvigorated to really do this thing. And from July 18 to today, Jogon is in its current form and has been um, moving forward. And uh, yeah, growing, going strength by strength, but it's a very slow and, and long process. Um, mm. But it's it's fascinating to talk to you as someone who's doing it themselves now. Um, yeah. I, know, I know it's meant to be uh, you asking questions, but I was going to ask you, like, how, how have you found this process starting a podcast? Are, are you enjoying it? Oh, th thanks for asking. I, I am actually, and, and, and I'm really enjoying kind of hearing how yours kind of started because obviously this was born because i was having conversations with with runners out on the seafront and in races and meeting people and conversations that i felt would be great if they were just captured somewhere for other people to hear to for share sure. experiences and share stories and share information um but yeah no the, the whole experience has been fun uh it was a little bit daunting at first like you say like you were speaking about earlier with the you said your friend had a hosting site uh, it was a little bit there was a lot of reading i had to do a lot of kind of playing fiddling around with settings on on the hosting sites and and getting my the files uploaded in the right format and stuff but so there's a little bit of kind of technical work you need to do if you're going to do that stuff yourself but there are many services out there i think that do it for you or do a lot of it for you um that part's been difficult uh, getting the podcast onto some of the the catchers has been difficult so mm. itunes is pretty easy um, but I found uh, Google was okay. Um, I still haven't yet signed or got the podcast onto Spotify, which I need to do at some point. Um, yeah. I found that, but a little bit of a kind of a dark art getting your your RSS feed in the right place and finding those settings and things. So it's been it's been tricky. Uh, did you have any of those kind of similar technical challenges along the way? 
Yeah, there's, there's it's funny. It's a steep learning curve, isn't it? It's it's yeah. a lot to learn with podcasting. It's I think there's this idea out there that you flick on a mic, you press record, you press publish, and bang, you're a podcaster. But actually, there's a lot more to it. And um, you're right, RSS feeds are, are a yeah a geeky subject, but um, essentially they they can come with their own problems. Um, yeah. I I mentioned how I came down off one. Uh, host and I sort of re-signed with a new podcast. So I'm with um, something called Libsyn, uh, Liberated Syndication. They've been going since 2004, a long, long time. But really that acts quite well as a central hub to then be able to put out your RSS feed to the important places. Um, mm. And yeah, you're, you're right. Spotify is a big one. Spotify is becoming a, a big player now. Um, they've yeah. purchased, made a few big purchases. So I think they're really trying to start to stake their, to take podcasts seriously. And on their platform, I think they really want to be that kind of not just a music streaming service but also of podcasting i think people are really starting to wake up to to podcasts and and see that these are you know multi consumed in their millions of hours per day and, that, and there's a lot of um advertising revenue that i think will start to shift over that way um yeah. so yeah it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how how it moves over the next few years but um it, I'm, I'm really i'm really impressed that you started it because i know how how tough it is and, and but even more so that you carried on because i don't know what percentages are exactly exactly but the stats are crazy for the amount of podcasts that are started and then yep. they release anywhere from three to 10 episodes. And then it's been two years and it's just used to be a guy who did a couple of podcast episodes and it's a very hard thing to consistency. It's like running. You have to have yep. endurance and you have to keep going and going and push through even when you don't feel like it and it gets tough and, 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 and you will, you will reap benefits. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, I completely agree with what you say. It's, it's something that you have to persevere through because I, you know, I have times where I think, you know, crikey, I've, you know, I've got some really hectic stuff going on with work. The family's busy. We've got the, these arrangements on this week and I've, I've got to build, a, I've got to build an interview. And there's, there's yeah. a fair bit of research that I guess, I don't know, like yourself, uh, I don't know how you manage that, but because I know every podcast is different, but I like to kind of build a lot of kind of questions and, and do a bit of research online about the person I'm interviewing to, to find out a bit more. And, and you really have to kind of throw yourself in it you know based on you know the fact that we both love running it, it makes it a lot easier absolutely so there's a fair, fair bit of planning that needs to go on to, to to make the shows happen and yeah it's 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 a it's a brilliant process don't get me wrong i i love doing it every single time and and every time i finish an interview i'm i, I you know i'm enthralled and and i get a, get a like a really big high out of it but yeah it's 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 tricky and difficult but again it's fun as well i think it's been been quite a good thing that you know you do get to do what you want to do and you don't have to go to anybody else's schedule so um yeah that's been, that's been pretty fun as well you're right you can come out of a conversation really pumped and i think mm. uh, that the pumped upness uh, is only increased threefold if you've done your research you know exactly what you said you know to really look into the history and the beautiful thing is there's so much out there i mean i think if people really realized how public they are in their profiles and the things they put online um they probably wouldn't post as much because as, a, as someone who needs to then find stuff out about people it's quite rare is a time when you find someone who's a bit ghost-like online like generally there's a lot of stuff you know you can really uh, just just in an hour you can find out a lot about someone without even being friends with them or signed up to anything of theirs or or, or following them in any way it, it's it's almost a bit creepy but for yeah. us as, as as someone who wants to research uh, uh, a guest it, it's amazing you know you can find out so much and um there's been a couple of moments where i think i've uh, even said something and they've kind of given me that look across the microphone you might not even hear it in the audio form um, i now do uh, i do it in video form as well on, on a separate podcast youtube channel That's and right, uh, yeah. sometimes you see it and uh, that, that expression that flicker of, of moment in the face of how did you know that because you can actually get quite in depth um 
you know so so i think it's 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 absolutely something that uh you know that you go into the conversation looking forward to it more when you're like well i can't wait to ask them about that because i know that in 2007 they did that thing because they mentioned it in that blog or whatever it is um and then you come out all the more satisfied that you really spoke to that person and, and got to them quite quickly and, and people will open up a lot to you um you know i think it's that's one of the amazing things i've found is People are very, very, very willing to to talk about quite deep personal subjects uh, yes. with you, even with a microphone in front of their face. And um, and I think there's there's an element of just uh, get, sort of building that skill of drawing people out of themselves. But I think as as sort of um, as a, a typical English person, I think our culture is uh, very much quite restrained. Sometimes we're quite civil and quite polite, yes. yeah. so people don't get really get the opportunity to talk about their their deeper stuff. Um, and sometimes it, all it takes is just just asking them about it, and they they will open up and give you some some fascinating anecdotes. That's it. Yeah, you've just got to build a comfortable environment where people feel safe and and secure and and happy and and maybe a little bit informal. And and yeah, you're right. People do open up and. And talk. I mean, I think effectively we're all storytellers. We all like to be storytellers. We all like to to speak. And maybe one of the easy things is that we're all runners. And I think I've always said this: if there's one thing runners like doing, apart from running, it's talking about running. So it's, uh, <laughs> it does make life a little bit easier. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It plays into our hands as running podcasts. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, people who who really aren't on that running scene are think, why on earth you 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 run and then you also listen to someone talking about running? I mean, that's that's insane but you know people are people get really into their their hobbies their passions mm. whatever it is they're into yeah absolutely absolutely so listen you you said earlier about sometimes it's difficult to find information about people online and stuff and and i, I was keen to find out more about what kind of races you've done uh, obviously I'm, I'm keen to hear about the uh, the, the four-day or multi-stage uh, ultra you did of 100 miles 102 miles i think it was but yeah. also i wanted to find out you know what kind of park runs you'd done what kind of distances you'd run where, when your first marathon was but i couldn't find anything on you on the power of 10 so you were a bit ghost-like yeah exactly I was, I was even as i was using the word ghost it was my head was going off going well harry a great example of that is your exactly. records of your times online <laughs> i almost sound like a fraud don't i but fortunately there is a couple of things on there that are They're vaguely off. vaguely okay my 456.6 i think is somewhere on power of 10 so that that's there at least um uh, and the honest answer i don't really have a good answer for whatever reason i don't know what the last year is it's recorded if it's 2012 2013 2014 I, I don't recall i haven't been on my power of 10 for a long long time yeah. um for whatever reason it power of 10 just does not recognize me it does not um pull through any of my and any of my times um it just stopped at one one day there's there's nothing there's very little on there um and it's very odd because you know I, I myself, when I look at guests, and if, especially if they are a runner or an elite runner that's coming on for a chat, of course, I'll look at their power of 10 um, and, and have a look at what they're, for anyone that is listening that might not know, I always have to remember that sometimes, um, a power of 10 is just a, a website that lists people's um, achievements, it lists their personal bests, and it's a very, very um, lengthy, sometimes for people who've done a lot of racing, record of, of what they've done, and you can see a, a story in there, it's quite amazing, so no wonder you're looking at it yourself, but yeah, for some reason, Harry Harry Morgan, Power of Ten. That there's next to nothing on there, and I and I've never worked it out. I've never known why. I haven't ever pursued it too much because mm -hmm. it's very rare that it's actually an issue. Um, but I think this conversation alone will probably prompt me to actually look into and Google how you correct your Power of Ten yeah. and do whatever you have to do. I, I don't know. You need to do that somewhere along the line, like you say, that the, the the tie is just broken. But yeah, no, it would be uh, it would be good to get up there because sometimes it's good to go back and. And log on to the website and, and thank you very much for, for telling the listeners what Power of 10 is, because I don't think I've ever really explained it. But 
I, I just you know you automatically assume a lot of runners have been onto the page to to, to have mm. a look but yeah no it's worthwhile going on there and it's free to use and and all you need is your 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 name and surname and you can look up your friends and your your mates and your other people you've met to uh, see uh, kind of almost like a timeline of their of their races or at least races that are registered with them um, but I think most are including all park runs yeah. uh, but listen Harry Harry what kind of I guess to summarize your your running history in terms of races uh, I guess you've done everything everything pretty much every distance uh, including well now now the ultras as well but do it do any big races um, stick out apart from the ultra which I'd, I'd love to talk about in a bit yeah it's a great question um, I think to be honest again it, it would probably be those those moments where i ran a personal best i think it had such an effect on me um it's just such a culmination of of training and it's such an a uh, um a strong achievement and i think because it's been such a long time since i ran a personal best you know it's been a few years now um yeah. it's a long it's a it's a very long story why that happened um, um a, a very quick summary is basically um start of last year early 2019 um i broke uh, three bones in my left foot uh, and essentially that just knocked me out and my error was not to then cross train but to sort of sit around a bit and be you know the slob end of slobs running snob if you like um and sort of contradict okay. my own words there and and really just lose a lot of fitness. So it's taken a long time to start to build that back. Um, so the the PBs haven't been around for, for a while now, and I'm sort of slowly working my way back there. But to answer your question, yeah, really probably those personal best moments. Um, okay. One of the absolute standout moments was, um, it, it again, this is going to be one of those races where I can't remember quite the title of the race. It's a 10K just outside of Southampton. I should be able to remember it instantly, but for whatever reason, the name escapes me. But it's, a again, a bit of a club-heavy race, so quite a high standard. Um, and it was a, a, a 10K. And I at the time, my, my personal best was was 39. Um, it was sort of low 39s, and which I'd run a long, long way back. Um, even in my teens, I think I'd, I'd done that personal best. And since okay. then, I'd run, you know, a couple of some low 40s and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, and I just, everything was sort of coming together. And I really felt like I was on for a half decent time. And I thought possibly I could... Um, run a, a 38 maybe maybe i could i could run a 38 if i if everything came together and the course had a couple of gradient slopes in which when you're going for personal best you know it matters whether that road oh, yeah. tilts, tilts up a bit you feel it as you as, as you well know um yeah. and my dad was in london at the time it was really strange but he just happened to be able to get some time between meetings like a good few hours to drive over from london to this to this race to watch wow, me and clap that's me. dedication and then had to drive straight back for another meeting and it was amazing that he, he did it yeah. um but you know I, I guess he gets that 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 weird thrill of watching other people Absolutely. run just like i do yeah and 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 everything just came together and it, there was just there was the perfect scenario where there was a couple of other guys who were coming down i was doing crossfit quite heavily at the time and there's a couple of the guys from crossfit who were still very decent runners which was amazing because they barely did any running but just mm. through their natural fitness were just fantastic male runners anyway and, and one guy ran 39 that day but somehow it was a bit of a bob beeman moment where i i leapt 38 entirely and i landed i still remember this day, I, I got 37 49 as you you mentioned earlier on Incredible. and i remember I remember it was one of those moments where everything came together so well that I wasn't even that tired. You know, when you sometimes see a, a guy run a world record and let's say, first of all, that's probably very questionable when it does happen. But that thing where the, the, you, the people say they didn't even look tired. You know, Kip Chogue would be a good example when he runs his, sub, yeah. his sub two is 159.40. When he crosses that line, he looks like he's been for a Sunday stroll in the, yep. you know, the church graveyard. He doesn't look like he just ran the, uh, the human endurance record of our generation, let alone probably the history of the world. He just jogged 
dogs and he hugs his, his parents. And I did the same thing. I kind of ran through the finish line and then just kept running and sort of, you know, I don't know, banging my chest. And my dad was standing slightly further down and I ran. And cause it was a smaller race, you could do this cause there wasn't much in the way of crowds yeah. burst back across where I just come across finishing straight. And I remember jumping on him. I mean, I must have <laughs> crushed the poor man. Cause you know, I'm over six foot tall and he, he's, he's not quite as, as big as I am. Um, yeah. but I, I was so elated and it was just, it was this amazing, you know, your, your father and son, you shake hands, but it was this, this rare moment where I kind of jumped on him and I was so elated to see, cause you know, the time was right there. I had it on my watch. It was all the same. I, I knew I'd done it 37, 49. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. But then I think what was so special is because I'd been dreaming about the idea of ducking under 39, getting 38 and to skip that entirely and go to 37, um, which when you know, 10 K times, as you start to get lower in those thirties, every 60 seconds is as a percentage of the time, just mathematically yeah. is that much more important. So incrementally it was just better and better and better. And I think from that moment on, I kind of, it was, it was a slight, I think I always believed quite strongly in my running, but it was the first time I really went, Oh no, I think I can really run. Like I could, I think I could, I think I could do some good times now. Like it, yeah, yeah, I get you. it was permission to really start to believe. Um, the, the huge irony is, is since that day, and I believe that was 2015, I might be slightly out of my time. It's either 2015 or 2016. I think it was 2015. Um, that, 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 that happened. I, I haven't beaten that PB and that's not for, um, I would say not for want of trying, but really I've never dedicated myself quite in the same, the same way. I sort of changed distances and I've mucked around a bit. Um, so now it's about getting back to, you know, a foot on the gas, if you like to use a slight Americanism and, uh, and go for it again, because that, that was an amazing moment. So that was a real standout was coming across that finish line, jumping on my dad and yeah. just shout shouting at him. Cause he could, he couldn't see from where he was at the time was just shouting 37.9, 37.49 and, and, and seeing the, the amazement and, and, and hopeful pride that, that was clearly on his face. It was just one of those very raw moments, you know, where yeah. social, social uh, decorum went out the window and it was just a, a very passionate moment. So that's probably dad, my big, my big moment. And your dad drove back to, to the office and took off his jacket in the office and he had footprints all over him more and, 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 <laughs> and, and had to brush off the grass off of his head. Of his back. Yeah. Somehow I had to go back into a meeting after having been uh, attacked by his son. Oh. Yeah. Um, That's incredible, and and a re- and a really good time, you know, Harry. Well done. I must have, I must have felt really great doing that. But have you have have you done any marathons? So yeah, that's the weird one. So I've I've done some halves. Um, no, I've never done officially done a marathon. The only thing is uh-huh. the thing you mentioned, which is the um the hundred mile run, um which which ended up being a, basically a, ma- a marathon every day, trail marathon every day for four days in a row. Okay. Um, yeah. Which is a bit weird to have not done an official marathon. Um, and and it's one of those things that, and again, this was coming back to our thing of having perhaps minor mental blocks i think maybe there's a slight mental block with the marathon that that you sort of when you do it you want to do it partly well um mm-hmm. so you want to put the training in because i could you know you or i could um go out and and, and with it's, let's say neither of us did much training for a few weeks i think naturally off some basic fitness we could go out and just do a very low intensity marathon um yep. There, there is in our culture the idea that uh, 26.2 miles is this absurdly long way um, is built up a, a bit much when really if you you know you look back at that we're, we're, we're built for endurance we sweat and we are at low Absolutely. intensity I agree fully yeah. we can cover huge distances and people would be stunned how far they can go yeah. um, but they have to you know they have to build up to get through those mental barriers so I think f- for me it's um it's a case of I'm not phased by the distance in any way, shape or form. It's more just giving out a half decent time because I know exactly what's a mediocre time, what's a good time, what's a great time mm. for me and my abilities. You know, that that's um, variable per person. And yeah, it's all no, sure. no, I, I um, respect that fully. So you're just waiting for the right for the right one, the right time and and where you get a good good block of training in. 
just when it feels right. And you know mm. what? At the moment, I'm, I'm really focusing on 5 and 10K again as I start to drop the weight back down and really build that fitness back up after the injury okay. from the start of last year. And it, and it seems like one thing I have learned is is you can't really effectively train for a marathon and a 5K. There, there, there are differences there. And you can bounce around. But to really niche down and, and, and start to produce quality times, you really want to be focusing on something. So it's just not quite the right time to be going out and, and training and, and it takes up a lot of time, marathon training, you know. You know, you yeah. go out for a, a, a four-hour run. By the time you've showered, got ready for it, changed afterwards, you know, done your stretching, whatever your routine is, plus going out for hours on a on a slow-intensity run, you know, half your day can disappear. So, yeah, though it it's, does, um, yeah. it's like taking on a part-time, part-time job. What kind of distances are you doing at the moment? Are you training for? You're, you seem to be doing quite some long stuff at the moment. Yeah, uh, um, I, I tend to try and keep myself in marathon shape uh, all through the all through the year, and it's been like that now for I don't know, probably for four years or so, I guess. Yeah. So I'm, I, yeah, I've just enjoyed enjoyed doing just in that routine of you know Tuesday hard training session, Thursday hard training session, Sunday either one or two long runs, uh, yeah. Saturday and Sunday. Um, and I've been in that pattern now for for just for so long that I think my body's just always long distance ready, but recently i i mean i was meant to run the thames path 100 which was last weekend uh but i had to cancel the rescheduled date because it was fell on the same date as my daughter's birthday family comes first um and so i'm going to run it again next year but yeah i I tend to i tend to generally be ready ready to run a marathon to to 50 miles most of the year so i'm I'm kind of always in that in that long run category no that's brilliant yeah but at the same time I, i like to also try and stretch myself at the speed as, as best as I can and I and I think like you, you touched on earlier unless you're doing that kind of 80% you know intensity in that in that zone you're never going to do your absolute best at the speed but I tend to try and kind of pull out what I can absolutely yeah 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 and so some I, people naturally can drop the hammer a little bit more some people it requires a bit more training it's really about spending putting those those months and those years in training to to work out how, what what works best for you um so yeah, no, I find I find the whole subject fascinating in terms of distances and and playing around with those. Yeah, I think I think for me I'm probably a little bit daft really because uh, you know a lot of people say to me that you know you've 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 kept it on for too long. Uh, how 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 tall is the Jenga tower going to be going to be balancing until it eventually right. falls down? Um, yeah, that's this, interesting. This could be hap- this could be interesting, but I'm kind of like almost doing it as an experiment because. The, the running just gives me so much love inside that I, you know, it sounds stupid, doesn't it, to say that, but I, I just, I just feel so strongly towards doing my daily runs and my, my weekend long runs that the enjoyment I get out of it is just, just enough to keep me going really. And it, I think it kind of helps me just generally through life really. It helps with the stresses and the strains and just, just keeps me happy. So I'm going to see what happens and, and how tall the Jenga, the Jenga tower can, can build. <laughs> yeah why not why not why not why not push it to the edge and just 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 see just see i mean just see yeah it seems a bit of a sort of it'll be a bit of a daft thing to do if um if it does all come crumbling now but hey you you never know um i think uh the, the bodies like you say are very incredible things and you, you just don't know what you can exactly stretch out of them so this is um, there's gonna kind of a, a long long distance experiment here <laughs> absolutely no, yeah no. listen out of interest as well same question to you uh with that in mind that you know you're trying to build up speed again and and perhaps maybe like you said, you might have put on weight and, you, and you're, you're you're wanting to lose it. And I know that's a that's a really hot topic with with a lot of um, runners 
uh, especially some of the elites now saying, you know, you should never run to lose weight. And there's all this kind of topic. But I think sometimes in yourself, you know that, that you know, you, you want to do that. So there's nothing wrong in saying it. Uh, mm. What does your week look like then in terms of training? How do you how are you structuring your weeks right now? And what kind of sessions are you doing on the on, on, on the different days? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I sort of suffer ever so slightly from the moment it feels like it's I've been repeating the same structure too much. I'll inevitably try to change it up a bit. Um, okay. I'm now that's partly me just being a little bit rebellious and I'll start to be like, no, I always do a Tuesday run. I don't want to do a Tuesday run today. I'll, I'll change it to Monday. Like I'm not, you can't control me. Like there's an element of that, okay. like, but I've, I've got much better at that actually. And, and funnily enough, um, Steve, my dad has been uh, submitting me uh, kind of training schedules really. And okay. those really have bounced around between six and five day week uh, training sessions. Um, so I found that I was getting on a little bit better with the five rather than the six. The six seemed to be just being a little bit too much now i suspect that as i get a little bit lighter again as the weight just slowly starts to come off and 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 um, on a side note there that's that's been purely diet i am a classic example of i can put in a lot of miles in a week and nothing changes to me and i think that's a big misconception is this idea that um running can just running solely can pile off pounds for some yeah. people it's more effective for me it doesn't matter what i mean i could go do you know an olympic triathlon if i eat the same amount nothing's nothing's shifting so okay. um yeah i have got to have got to eat well and, and that's something i've got much much better at is, is really starting to eat clean now and really um just manage just and be aware of like you know carbohydrates and and, and sugars mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff um and just making uh better better choices and just seeing the bigger picture seeing the goal and the fact that you know um, there's, there's always an element of, I think, I feel like I owe it to myself ever so slightly that when I'm, you know, doing a, a running video on YouTube and if it's watched by a couple of thousand people, then there is a part of me as well that just wants to, you know, look like I know vaguely what I'm talking about, but being vaguely in shape. And, and, and like you say, running is a hot, uh, weight is a hot topic and it's something that's a, a bit of a dodgy topic in the moment you start yep. talking about it. It can, it can get misconstrued and correct. So, so I, you know, it's something that people, I find people aren't talking about quite as much sometimes because it, it feels like you're sort of playing with, with fire a little bit talking about it because mm. who am I to sit here and say, well, I'm losing weight because I don't, I don't want to encourage anyone else to lose weight. You should do exactly what you want to do and what works correct. for you. You have to take your own journey and, and, you know, you just you do you and I'll do me and, you know, together we'll, we'll find our, our, our journeys. And I would never want jog on to be solely like an advice channel. You know, you know, who am I? I'm, yeah. I'm not, I don't even feel old enough or qualified enough, even though I've been running you know, pretty much my whole life to, to really give it. I'd rather just talk about my own experiences the way you do. And then people can take from that what they will. And if they're inspired by something brilliant, if they disagree with something brilliant, you know, it is what it is. Um, sorry, yeah. I'm going off topic again. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> you might have to remind me what the question was but essentially um yeah i've kind of the training schedule really is i think what works really well for me is five days a week at the moment um and i seem to respond pretty well to that if i can hit 40 miles in a week um let alone anything else like i I get a lot from that um And something I've started to work with is trying to have a slightly lower intensity, not blasting every single run. Um, I've yep. talked to a few people about all sorts of things. I'm fascinated by the concept of 80-20. 80% of your training is is um, very, very light and, and lower heart rate and then 20% more intense. And, and I've always um, used efforts. I've always been one to do, um, you know, run up this hill eight times for two minutes or for a set distance. Um, I've always employed efforts and I found those just give me that little bit of fuel injection 
yeah. that I don't, I just, it just takes me up a gear and, it, and, it, and it's the difference between for me it's the difference between for example in that that 10k i think i was about 603 605 minute miling it's different mm-hmm. between that and, and 640s you know it just it's that next gear up that really lets you turn those legs over and your lungs can keep up with it um and, and for me that comes in the form of some speed work combined with just getting some miles in the legs so okay so a couple of days speed, couple of times speed work if you if you can handle it, and then yeah, just three three other days during the week, maybe a fourth sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll probably probably rest rest day Monday, uh, Tuesday speed session, Wednesday middle ish distance run that might be six seven miles, um, Thursday run I think it was Friday uh, probably some hills, Saturday off, Sunday long run. That's that's very roughly the structure. Okay. Good. Good. And super important to have those rest days in, like you say. Excellent. Yeah. Ah, okay. Very interesting. It's just I I just love chatting to people about what they do during the week because it's um yeah you, I guess people pick up uh, those kind of patterns from clubs, uh, from friends, from from internet programs. So it's just uh, just very keen to uh, to hear hear what people say. So great. Um, listen, Harry. As I realise I've I've taken far too much of your time already. So I kind of wanted to wanted to end off with a with a couple of uh, questions about uh, the show in particular and mm. just ask what. Uh, shows have you got coming up because i think you teased us with something a little bit earlier on about a future guest and stuff is there are there anything you can anything you can release with with details or, or yeah you, uh... oh then well the next one's crazy my next episode and so this yep. is this is where jog on i think is really starting to gonna, gonna start to step up a level a little bit okay. um so uh, this is with um a, a fantastic guy called will cockerell who um he's one of the examples for example who makes me sound more common i mean this guy's fantastically posh on the microphone um mm-hmm. and, and actually where i'm sitting right now is where he sat opposite me he actually came and we did a slightly mindly socially distanced sort of uh face to face um for the okay. first time which was which was brilliant to finally do a face to face again um and it, just the most incredible conversation about his uh journey in running and his life and he was just the most informative man who could just pull marathoners from the 70s names people i'd never even heard of just out and give me incredible anecdotes but the main bulk of the conversation the reason i was talking to him is because he's been investigating a world record that stood since 2002 which is the jogle or the jog record which is the acronym for john O'Groats to land's end or land's end to john O'Groats, um which is this i think it's 874 miles um usually done from from lands and john O'Groats that way around that multiple people over the years have taken a, a punt at trying to b- break the record um including really, recently dan lawson in, exactly including yep. dan lawson and which we we also discussed but weirdly we did it we actually recorded just before dan lawson did his thing he was just about to start so okay. i'm, I'm going to sort of add in a bit of contextual information for people who don't know the, about what dan lawson ended up doing now, the record's held, it's uh, May 2002, a guy completed it by the name of Andy Rivett, um, and it's it's this incredible performance uh, of nine days, two hours, and I forget the minutes, 29 minutes or something like that. I, I know the record well, yeah. <laughs> you know it well. And, and um, Will himself comes on to basically express a number of concerns about mm-hmm record um and he's been researching this thing for two years actually met went and met with andy rivet and spent an hour with him and interviewed him there so you know is is the guy on the subject in terms of taking it to guinness world records trying to get guinness world records to act on this and he he really deconstructs in the episode with me i mean i was just i was uh, excuse excuse the pun but riveted by the conversation um just listening i mean i barely speak during the episode it's just me going "Hmm, yeah hmm," because i'm really fascinated in what he's saying it's incredible and he really deconstructs the reasons why 
the the record itself he feels is incredibly dubious there are huge questions surrounding it the validity of the record is really brought into question in the episode and it is fascinating and and, and i've um I think the, the thing about this episode is it's just it's got that kind of punch to it of it's, it's this story and it's the real life thing and he's trying to get this done with uh, GWR Guinness World Records um, so that should be coming out in the next few days um, so by the time this is out um, it should hopefully just be about to come out or it will have already come out um, which will just be on all the usual channels of Jog On Jog On Podcast Jog On with Harry Morgan Jog On Podcast with Harry Morgan okay. on YouTube whatever you want to search for but it's Will Cockrell I mean just honestly I, I, I don't I never want to say it's my favourite because I've, been, I've done so much but it's definitely up there as one of my favorite uh, episodes conversations i've ever had it, it, it's absolutely fascinating i mean it's a, such an incredible subject so that's the big next episode come out and i think for me with jog on now sort of you know a couple of years into the podcast one year into the youtube channel i really feel like um it's this kind of episode i really want to start to push a bit more almost like a slight kind of running journalism edge to it okay very maybe yeah maybe not even me investigating, but people who have done investigation coming on and talking about uh, their findings. So, so that's, that's one of the big things coming up. And then um, on the YouTube channel, I'm always putting out videos and once park run and other races are back, I'll probably be documenting more of those. I sort of do vlog style uh, running around and, and voiceovers and music and trying to create them into miniature running films really that hopefully are mildly entertaining for people to watch. Great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. You know, that, that story about uh, Le Jog or Joggle, or yeah. Le Jog, as they, as they sometimes Le call it. Uh, Le Jog, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because I, I recently heard Robbie Britton, who obviously uh, biked alongside Dan Lawson's uh, record attempt, which he successfully did, yeah. uh, talk about this recently. And he said that I think there's been a, quite a few people who have been, you know, on at, at Guinness over the, over the years to actually, you know, well, they've been questioning that record for so long because mm. I think that Andy Rivett came out of nowhere, really, and just ran this incredible run of uh, you know nine nine days and two hours like you said and then just disappeared and there was no evidence yeah i think there was i think there was something similar and, and i don't want to give anything away because it may be spoken about in your show but i'm pretty sure that robbie Britton on a previous uh, on a podcast i listened to earlier today said that it was like back then you could just get like a police officer to sign saying yeah he saw you somewhere yeah. great or he saw you at the finish great there you go signed sign thing and then a photo yeah, it was it was essentially done on an honors code back in 2002. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And, and as Will Cockrell states in the episode, he says, you know, a, a, a photo means nothing. It just means you were there in that place at that time. It doesn't represent 874 miles. He says maybe if they gave Guinness 52,000 photos of him every few meters, maybe I'll listen kind of thing. Correct. But he says, you, you know, it means nothing. So it, it is. I mean, I highly recommend you listen to it. I, I really think it's a, it's the kind of episode that um, if, if people get behind it, I feel like it, it could do some pretty decent downloads that episode. And there'll be a video version as well because I filmed it. So you you can watch Will, you know, get very, very passionate in the living room talking about it with it with his hands. And I mean, I've tried to slick it down with some good editing and really polish the whole thing up. And um, no, I'm really looking forward to releasing that because I think that that sh could get a few conversations going um and then there's a lot of people i'll you know i'll post it to and, and forward it to and and get other people's thoughts i think it's a fascinating subject it's, it's great that you know about it and you know what i'm talking about then because oh, yeah, yeah it, it's amazing so I'd, I'd highly recommend listening just for yourself because it's will is amazing the way he talks about it so i'm excited yeah. i'm very excited to hear that and i think yeah everyone should get on and, uh, and do that but listen on that topic how can people follow you on social media and uh, and sign up to receive uh, episode uh, broadcasts as they're released 
Yeah, so um, hopefully on most major podcast platforms at this point, Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts itself. Um, I've tried it myself. You, you can literally just type in Jog On. There are sort of slightly longer terms I use. The YouTube channel is called Jog On with Harry Morgan. L- a little bit long, but just Jog On alone will, yep. will, should pull the channel up. And then the video podcast, I've kind of split YouTube in half. So the, the video podcasts, so the podcast you can actually watch visually, um, are Jog On Podcast with Harry Morgan. So just adding in the word podcast. So Jog On with Harry Morgan for all the main videos and jog on podcast with harry morgan for the the uh, the video podcast but yeah just just jog on on any podcast platform um and i think the the big thing with podcasts and i think for yourself as well is um perfect i mean giving giving a rating or review is very helpful um, and certainly hitting mm. subscribe but the the big thing i think really is just if you really enjoy a podcast is the biggest way you can you really want to help a show because they're giving you free content um and, and hopefully entertaining you every once in a while when they put out episodes it's just to tell someone else about it or one of the yeah. ways i found is if you're in the car with someone like so if someone's listening to the Portsmouth running podcast as they're driving through Scotland or wherever it is. And they've got someone else in the car who, who's a runner, you know, and you've got a long journey together. You can just put it on and they kind of go, Oh, this is good. And then, you know, that's word of mouth will, will remain King for a long time, I believe. Um, and I think the biggest way people can help is they really enjoy something, just sharing or just saying to someone, you know, I, lo- I know you've, you've been listening to a few running podcasts. I'd really recommend this one. You know, the Portsmouth Running Podcast, it's Daniel Piccolo is excellent. You should really, you know, and that goes a long, long way. So, you know, people say, oh, I, I do jog on tops now. I've got running tops with which I've um, sold a fair few now, which is cool to have the, the merchandise. But, and that's yeah. brilliant that people show that support and, and sort of become, I kind of call it the jog on crew, if you like. But, um, but really the, the biggest thing is just turning to someone saying, yeah, you should check that out sometime and just, um, you know, sharing an episode that, that hopefully they enjoy. And that's, that's how these things slowly grow and it is a slow process but wise uh, words we'll get there yeah, wise words thanks for that very very good yeah and i completely agree with you a racing's good um thumbs ups are good you know it's a nice easy click but you're right sharing it is what it's all about and and that's the reason why why we create these and why we do it you know it's uh it's the love for it and, and yeah just share it i think that's 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 really really wise so thanks um listen harry i i always finish with what i call some recovery run questions so these are these are really really quick fire go for um, it we're just going to go into it. If you can't answer anything, that's fine. Don't worry about it. But I'm sure you'll be fine. So listen, first question is your favorite route that you've run in or around the Portsmouth area? Wow. Um, I mean, it's got to be the seafront. I mean, I just I just have such fantastic memories. Um, I mentioned the first ever Wednesday beach run that I went on that day after signing up for the Athletics Club. And I was just overcome with how fantastic it was to be running with all these people my age and the, the conversations. And um, we did some ama- an amazing route just along there. And waves, cool. it was really stormy waves crashing up. So Portsmouth seafront would be my answer. Fantastic. Your favorite ever race or moment in a race? And I think I know the answer to this one. Yeah. Do you know what? Because I've said that one, I'll give you a different one. But um, cool. finish, finishing Southampton half marathon and coming in in 125 rather than my predicted 127. And again, doing a bit of Bob, Bob Beeman and skipping 126. Um, I mean, coming in through the finish line, seeing the cock and just knowing I was going to make it was and, and get that time. Uh, that was just I mean, I was basically on ecstasy. Fantastic. Uh, what shoes do you currently run in? Oh, the problem is because I work with a, a running shop specialist, um, my job also happens to be running at the moment. Um, I have quite a lot of shoes, I'm ashamed to say, because I, I get gifted some, which is quite nice. Um, yep. But I'd probably say at the moment, I'm really enjoying the Hoka Clifton. I've always been very passionate about the Nike Free Run, which is a very flexible shoe, but basically pre-2016. Oh, my God, how geeky was that? But yeah, Hoka, Hoka yep. Clifton, Hoka Rincon or um, or Hocker, if you pronounce it Hocker, people would say different things. Yep. Um, otherwise, the Nike, the Nike Free Run. Okay, so how are you finding the Rincon? Because that's a shoe that I've not yet tried, but I'm very keen to. 
love it i mean it's a lot of cushioning you've got to be okay with having a fair bit of cushioning but five millimeter it might be four or five i think it's five millimeter heel drop so quite level in the shoe um and it's just got a bit of bounce to it and it's very very you pick it up and you think it's going to be a certain weight and it's like this is like helium it's unbelievable um yeah and it's it, they're great I would, i'd recommend you try them out no, that's cool yeah i'm definitely going to get a pair of those because i at the moment i do all my speed work in the carbon x and it's my second pair of carbon x and they are just incredible yeah. Carbon X is, a, is just a great shoe. Fits, Fast shoe. It's very. It feels like a slipper almost because the 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 top material, the mesh is is very very thin. It's almost like a slipper. Mm. Um, it just yeah, but it's just got that really tall hocker cushioning in it, and and obviously the plate inside helps as well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, lovely shoe. Um, do you prefer trail or do you prefer road running? That is a fantastic question. That's a really hard one to answer because it will it will change day by day day i think because of my memories and because of all that i've done and and where those those really fond memories lie i'd have to still go with road but i am a big fan of trail i'm going to do a lot more of it um i've actually just got a van now that i can uh that's kind of like a bit of a converted camper so the idea is to drive to the mountains and go running in the mountains so i'll be doing a lot more trail but just because of my life so far and running and and the memories i've gained and the people i've met it's it's got to be it's got to be road brilliant cool um, listen, and, and this is on the topic of what you said earlier about sharing podcasts and stuff. Is there any of your other favorite kind of running related podcasts that you could that you've enjoyed listening to that you can recommend to somebody? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, I so I've 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 listened to Bad Boy Running podcast a couple of times, but mm. I never got that into it. I don't I mean, it's terrible. I feel like I'm shooting them down. I've actually had one of the guys on. Um, you've had David he, he, on your yep, David Hellard, yeah, 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 which, which is a fantastic chat. And I think maybe that's the, the radio part of me coming through that. I like things that are a little bit more polished, a little bit more to the point and just keep the interest. And I, and I feel like um, that they, they do quite a long chat at the start. And I think sometimes yeah. there's a little bit of barrier to entry. I know you and I briefly chatted about, about that and, and sort of adapting things like that um and and and, the, and that's that goes one of two ways that's fantastic if you know the in jokes and stuff that's amazing yeah. but that initial barrier to entry is very much there if you don't know what they're talking about or the references um and it's not as spoon fed um so it's very much a style and david very much backed up that style and and, and all the credit to him because that's mm. the way they like to do it um so certainly if you if you like that kind of thing go check out bad boy running podcast um weirdly i actually listen to a lot of criminal podcasts like a lot of crime and stuff like that yeah, okay. um, and i think maybe that's a slight reaction to the fact that you know, I'm, I'm doing my own running. I'm working during the day talking about running. And then I do my own podcast about running. Then almost it's a slight escape from it, you know, just to just to then listen to some other bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's going to be basically a bit of criminal. Of course, the Portsmouth Running Podcast. And then, uh, yeah, may, maybe a bit of Joe Rogan if he has the right person on. Oh, love Joe Rogan. I was talking about him today. He I tell you what, he is a man who and, and I'm going to go off topic here a little bit. But he is a man that can enforce his opinion on me and i and i just i absorb it because his voice is almost like sandpaper it it mm. it rubs he rubs his opinions into me and i believe him and he's so passionate yeah i yeah, mean no. natural as well even his ad, and i'm gonna swear here a little bit and i'm, I'm sorry about this but yeah i, I know I, I don't mind swearing on the show but whenever he does his intros about the the cash app have you heard them yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah he's like he's like ladies and gentlemen we are i'm gonna do a very very bad joe rogan impersonation here but Ladies and gentlemen, we are here and we are sponsored by the motherfucking Cash App. And it's just, you know, even just that advert, it's just, it just, his voice just grates on me. And, and, and I end up kind of in almost, in almost believing him. He's just, uh, yeah, he's, he's brilliant. I just love his passion and the fact that he, he can change his opinion and he, uh, yeah, he, he really gets into really deep conversations with his guests, but yeah, really good show. 
And that's kind of like a bit of a, a counter reaction to what for a long time has been spoon fed, very systematic media and, and advertising. And they I think advertisers are catching on to the idea that if you were, for example, to read out, if you got a sponsor for this podcast and you're reading out, people are going to listen to your voice. You're much more natural if you're going, guys, they're genuine. There's a good product out there. Let's say it's the Hoka Rincon. Um, I've been wearing it. It's really great. Check it out sometime. Bang, bang, bang. Let's go into the podcast. It's much more natural than mm. I am an I am's cat. You know, the, 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 you know that kind of stuff that's just spouted out on tv so i think we are going to see a big shift as i briefly mentioned so yeah you're right the joe rogan he's kind of he's got that he's he's talking very honestly and naturally about it and whether that comes with swearing or not it just has that slightly more honest effect on you and you don't feel like you're being sold to quite as heavily so yeah absolutely yeah completely agree. and the same thing with advertising with you know even with running shoes for example you know i can look at a, at a billboard with a picture of whoever the famous runner is on it wearing a pair of, of hocker shoes mm. and i think cool that's great if i'm just a, a runner who doesn't wear hockey and i'm like great you know what do they know what's good for me but if mm. my friend who's running next to me twice a week and and i know very well and, and drink with socially or whatever tells me that the hockey shoes are great and I'm, I'm much more inclined to listen to them and i think that's why a lot of shoe companies have developed programs to get people out in the community talking about the shoes and and getting people interested in the shoes and you can see a lot more of it now on social media and i think people are just responding um to that way with advertising a lot a lot better they're relating to things a lot more and I think products products could do well to to work along that model a lot more. You're bang on. When anyone's ever come into the running shoe specialist shop, if you like, and uh, asked for a shoe, most of the time, if it's because it's been recommended, it's not through an advert they saw online. It's nothing they saw on the side of a bus or a billboard or some new ASICs campaign about running to release stress and all this. It's just because Jane from the club said she liked hers the other day on a five miler. And so now Karen's interested. That's essentially what it is. And that and I think people are starting to catch on to that a bit more. Mm, absolutely that's very interesting listen harry it's been it's been i've taken way too much of your time i'm sure you want to go off and have a nice cup of tea or a, or a beer or whatever the, the drink of choices <laughs> or even some sleep but uh listen thank you so so much i really appreciate it and uh listen i uh yeah thanks for listening to the show and, and i know you've listened to a few a couple of episodes and i appreciate it and all the hard work you put into to jog on it's fantastic i highly recommend people go and listen to it um and listen uh, good luck with breaking those those steve morgan uh, pbs and targets yeah, we'll get there one day. No, thank you so much. No, um, it's, it's been a pleasure to actually be on the other side. Um, and I and I must compliment as someone who has some vague idea of what they're talking about when it comes to, to podcasting. I've been doing it a little while now. Um, I actually think you're a fantastic host, Daniel. So I think I really do recommend you stick at it and keep it up because I think what you're doing is 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 very listenable, very entertaining. And I really think uh, you're keeping the conversation alive about running. And I think you're definitely I've, I've listened to a few running podcasts, you know, I've dipped in and out and I already think this is right up there. So keep up what you're doing. Cause it's it's it's, it's brilliant. You. And um, yeah no stick at it and i'm sure one day we will be back running together and doing a, another podcast at some point well i tell you what i would love to get together with you in the future and maybe do a little kind of segment of the show because we're, we're mixing up our format in the future anyway um and perhaps maybe even just you know come on and talk about a couple of the the episodes that we've had or whatever you know we can we can always get together and discuss things so yeah it'd be great to mix, to mix up a run have a fantastic birthday in a couple of weeks and good luck with all the running thank you Danny. i appreciate it take care cheers <laughs>